Welcome, everyone, to the Completely Unnecessary Podcast, Tuesday, August 23rd, 2022. Uh, Ian Ferguson is on location at remote spot right now recording, but on Tech Country here in the studio. On the show today, we'll be talking about the Sega Genesis Mini 2 lineup, the Sunsoft event, event, we're talking about the top Super Nintendo games, a list from journalist Seth Abramson. Uh, also some voicemails back to there. Uh, Ian spoke about his his uh, heroic pinball efforts recently, and I spoke about my <laughs> Dollar Tree adventure, including finding Battleship Color Forms version. Get all the deets on the exclusive Patreon podcast that we do every week, patreon.com slash uh, podcast. Other than that, Ian, uh, uh, how are things going? I mean, they're, they're going. Um uh, yeah, we talked a little bit about the pinball <clears throat> tournament I played in. Um, life has been kind of stressful, so I've been playing more pinball just to kind of clear my head. Um, but I did uh, uh, big big news. Uh, <laughs> our our buddies over at Too High Labs released a uh, new game last week. That's right, uh, uh, Curse to Golf. That's right, and I've been uh, looking forward to this game for quite some time, uh, and I got it, and it's fantastic. It's kind of not roguelike isn't exactly the right word for it because not it's not all randomly generated, but it's a uh, it's a golf game with uh, you know constantly changing holes, uh, and basically you just have to hit it to the goal within a certain amount of hits. But there's all sorts of traps in the way, and it's a 2D game. It plays uh, you know on a uh, you know a side view, so it's not the usual overhead golf. It's you're basically navigating the golf ball through you know platforming levels, and you have to do it in a certain number of shots. And it's just it's incredibly addicting. Um, you know the very first time. I saw the idea when uh, Liam was kind of just, uh, you know, uh, he, he worked, he, he basically made like a little proof of concept game. Okay. Um, and from the first time I saw it, I knew it was going to be like a hit. And from everything I can see, it's gotten great reviews so far. So uh, congrats to them. It definitely uh, was fun for me to play over the weekend when I needed to, you know, do something. <clears throat> sure. So I get it. Uh, yeah, so probably very exciting uh, when you have a new game finally come out. It's like, oh, you can see the finish line, and you're doing all this work to get it out. Yeah, uh, hope to check. I, it. I think it really shows you just like how much work is is involved in the polish too. Because sure. from the time, maybe it's just because I really wanted to play it, but from the time that you know the proof of concept, he kind of like worked on. Uh, you know, got it out there and put it on itch.io to final product. You know, it was it was a long time. There's a lot that goes into, you know, taking a a great idea in crafting it into something that, you know, a, 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 a large market would want to play. Oh, yeah. So it's, it's very simple. to. Ha- it's a, I mean, anyone can think of a game idea and then even a lot of people can start to try to do it. But then it's like, OK, now I'm actually in here. How is this actually fun? Right. What is a user experience like? And how do yeah? And how do you polish it off? You know, I'm I you know I'm the sort of person who, um, you know, I can play a pretty rough around the edges game and still enjoy it as long as the central idea is sound. But 
yeah, so many people expect, you know, a, a, a shiny package and um, a lot of, a lot of work goes into that. Yeah. Um, what else has happened? And uh, um, I am a third of the way through the final season of Knight Rider. Mm. <laughs> season <laughs> four. Things are getting uh, dice here. <clears throat> Just because like season three was pretty positive in terms of, oh, this is some interesting stuff going on here. I mean, this, I mean how do you how do you expand upon the concept of a talking car? You know, sure. year after year. But it was a po- super popular show the first few years. Uh, there's there was some toys. I looked it up on eBay last night. I was talking to Andre. They was not there was not an action figure line. They had one toy that it talked, and it came with with Michael Knight. You can buy a Michael Knight separately. Uh, Michael Knight's actually not worth up really anything. Like twenty bucks, you can get one. Just a you know three and three quarter sort of size huh. or four inch figure um, or five inch figure. But there was no like toy line. There was no like. Um, there was no like uh, Devin Miles, old guy, old British guy figure. There wasn't Bonnie, the mechanic figure. You know, there wasn't villains and things like that. Like A Team had whole figure lines. They had three right. and three quarters, and they had six inch figures. They had the bigger ones as well. They didn't have that uh, for that, maybe because it was more geared towards adults. Maybe you know, kids were into it. But they had like little little die like die cast. I had a die cast car from a from a flea market. You know, things like that. I think they had like the stunt set. I think they, I think they had like um they they might have had like a electric car set like you know like a like um you know where you had a little trigger and go around the track but with but with night rider but there wasn't a lot of stuff i don't remember seeing anything at least as a kid because i was too young because the show was done by 86 that was it yeah I, I i don't remember anything either and i again i same thing as you that show in terms of my memories you know reruns. predates me just a little bit but yeah it was, I, I i saw it in reruns and syndication that was where i I got used to it. What, what's a rerun? You'll find out. Um, so, uh, what else is happening here? Went to the flea market. I returned to the flea market. Um, I haven't gone to the flea market. It's like, it's not even, is it once a quarter I go? Once every four months? I think I went yeah, earlier this year. I would say probably about that. <clears throat> and I, it, I was, it was on a whim. And I got up at 8 o'clock and I'm like, I'm going to go. Usually, if I, I get up at 6.30, I would go, get there at 7. And I probably would have found some stuff, maybe, uh, not really game related. The the game stuff is slim pickings. I I found a lot of seventies toys. Follow me on Twitter at Pat the Punk. I, I did a, I do threads when I go nowadays. If I'm not filming, obviously, because if I filmed, I find nothing that I actually buy. Um, you know, I, I find cool stuff like oh, here's Ultima One and uh, Pal Derek who sells there. He wanted twelve hundred dollars for it. I was saying, Derek, no one's bringing twelve hundred dollars in cash to the, to the flea market. Like, like, no. What do you What do you fucking do? You're lucky. You're lucky to you find someone who gets one hundred twenty bucks in their wallet, let alone twelve hundred. Yeah, um, you don't take that. At that point, it's just the it's that sounds silly, but it's 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 the pollution of the very idea I of a flea market. <laughs> flea markets are supposed to be cheap places to go and buy stuff, and it, it's absolutely not a place where you go to make a fucking centerpiece purchase for your yeah. video game collection. Like yeah. that's that's weird. It just it doesn't. Like you said, who's bringing that kind of money to the flea market? Who even goes to the flea market expecting to find something like that? I mean, he usually had c- good stuff. I, I mean, he's I bought PC games on him before, but I, I, here's the thing: I don't keep up with the track of these. I actually own that game. Sure. I think I think he had the IBM one. I have I think the Apple II one. They're this the same feelies, the same exact stuff. It's just the, the you know the disc. It's a different sticker on the front of the box, and the disc is obviously different for the game. But it don't most collectors don't care about that. When it right. comes to that, 
And, uh, you know, I thought he said $12 at first. I felt awful because he's like, oh, 12 bucks. Okay, I'll pick that up. Then he said 1200 I was like, oh. I, I, in my head, I should have said, there's no way it's only $12. He, he would know better. But right. I, but he did give me some decent deals and stuff before, but I thought maybe it's worth 120 and maybe he, uh, whatever. I felt stupid because like, oh, here's my wallet. It's like that scene in Lethal Weapon uh, at the beginning when he's, you ever seen Lethal Weapon? No, he's under, actually, I've never okay. seen it. Uh, he, it's, it's a Christmas movie. Uh, again, another another Shane Black. He writes all this stuff to play during Christmas, but it's not a Christmas movie, but it is. Um, so he's undercover, Riggs, Martin Riggs, played by Al Gibson, and he goes to he goes to buy drugs. He's undercover, he's going to buy cocaine, and um, and he goes to this like it's a Christmas. It, these guys are selling out of this Christmas tree lot, and the guy goes, you know, how much for all this? He, he does a sample. He goes, how much for this? And he goes, oh, it's um, it's uh, you know um. It's uh, it's eighty, and it's like, oh, okay. And he starts pulling out his wallet. It's oh, twenty, forty, and but he just realizes it's like, oh, it's like, it's like tw- ten times that amount, you know, or whatever. Right. He, he gets the numbers wrong. So I felt this the same way. I was like, oh, I feel like a fucking idiot. I'm pulling out my wallet and like going through it, and then obviously it ends in gunfire and fun at the beginning. Of the <laughs> gunfire and fun. Uh, yeah, I love the weapon. Didn't affect me at all watching that at VHS constantly. <laughs> good, good, great fight. I know he's in trouble now for shenanigans, uh, Gary Busey. Uh, Gary Busey is a menace in that movie. He is a fucking psych. I mean, in real life, he's a psycho, but he's a psychopath in Lethal Weapon. Yep. He is scary. Busey and, is just... Uh, he he recently just got arrested for something, and it was strange. Yeah, he got in trouble for, for like... Uh, it was like some sort of sexual harassment of like uh, attendees at, a, at, a, at like an expo or something. That's why he was in the news for or something like that. Uh, Gary Busey pulls pants down in public after sex crimes charges. That is twenty two here. That's twenty two hours ago. Okay, that's okay. I, I didn't keep up with that. But check out *Leave the Weapon*. Uh, it's it's the pinnacle of the buddy cop movie. It, 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 it perfected it, sure. and and the the hand to hand combat in that movie, particularly the last scene between spoilers between Riggs and Gary Busey's character. For 87, the choreography is pretty fucking good. They're like grappling a little bit. They're doing like trying to do like submissions and stuff on each other. It's pretty rough and tumble. And for an 80s movie, the, the fighting is pretty damn good for a movie like that. Uh, and Gibson can scrap. You know, he was in really good shape in those movies there. Great movie. Danny Glover, fucking go, go see. And of course, the great Richard Donner directed those movies, of course. Rest in peace. Dick Donner. Uh, Dick Donner. Such yeah. Uh, what was I talking about? Oh, Embracer Group just bought up everything. <laughs> I mean, that's not news. It's but they yes they they continue. Oh, well, yes, it, they continue to uh, steamroll over everything and own everything. Um, Embracer Group acquires limited run oh. games, and uh, they also acquired the Lord of the Rings rights recently as well, which. Uh, I don't know okay. how that works because Amazon's doing the show, but I guess that means maybe that like the Lord of the Rings, like I don't know for future stuff, but that means they can do, they can do stuff based on Lord of the Rings. That's amazing. That yeah. How much was it worth? I, it's funny that I never really heard of Embracer Group until the past year, and now they're just coming up everywhere. Um, what's your initial thoughts on this uh, acquisition here? Uh, I mean. I am happy to know that the employees have been uh, taken care of. Um, you know, I, I heard that. I heard, you know, limited run throughout the whole thing was, you know, extremely open and transparent. So that's great um, to know. 
I feel like limited run was at a point where a buyout was absolutely possible. They grew, they grew hugely over the past few years. Um, I have no idea what that will really mean for limited run going forward. I don't know that it's going to change a whole lot. Um, the only thing that I could see potentially happening, which would be odd because, you know, the name is limited run games. I could see there being a lot. I could see production increasing in certain areas. Um, you know, they, they got into stores with the best buy stuff they were doing for a while. I think they still are where certain games got like, you know, a retail release and best buy. But I wonder if this means you'll see limited run products in more locations. I, I think, well, I'm, you know, in terms of what will be noticeable up front. I, I think it'll be a, a wider availability of limited run products. That's what I would have to guess. Well, obviously, Embracer would want to push their stuff if they had. Sure. But Embracer Games, it sounds like they're buying up all the studios we can get into that. A lot of stuff probably is AAA, so there's physical games anyway. But obviously, if it's an Embracer game, there's going to be probably a limited run version. You know, right. Of, like that's. But for, for the most part, though, it looks like it's going to be run independently still. So that's yeah. the, the good news. But this also includes the purchase of their, their physical store. Which I think is interesting. Uh, so this is everything that's limited run. Uh, so that's what's interesting about this deal is that this big old company. That's why they, I mean it does behoove them to let limited run in, independently operate still because they've been successful. And plus, right. it's almost like this company is so huge. It's it's like almost like well, it's, to them it's not worth pet, like meddling as long as it's profitable. You know what I mean? Right. Right. So yeah, more of a hands off approach. Yeah, I haven't been able to talk to Josh since the acquisition. Uh, obviously, we've known those folks. I've known Josh since almost the beginning of Limited Run. Uh, talked to him, done calls with him, and uh, it's interesting to see. It's only been seven years. I know that's um, the crazy thing. Like it feels like so much longer. But I mean, we we had been doing the podcast for a little while before that was like just a two topic years that we brought up. Yeah. So yeah, we brought we brought up at Portland. Kind of crazy when they were doing their uh, PSP uh, Vita or PSP game. Vita. I, uh, it was Vita. And then yeah. um, I remember I had a, um, I remember I did a, I did a, like a, uh, God, we were using Skype still. That's how old it was. I did a Skype call with both of them just to, you know, inquire about how the business was running things. And it was, it was an interesting call and it sort of helped inform me on some of the challenges they faced. Holy yeah. shit, Skype. Yeah, so I mean, <laughs> so Skype, does anyone use Skype anymore? Like anyone. Um, that buggy ass, you, you turn that uh, program on your computer grinds to a halt. Yeah, um, no, it, it, it does. It's, it's, it's awful. miserable. I have probably turned that step on four or five years at least. Anyway, so it's, I'm, I'm really happy for all of them out there. Um, they get a lot of heat from obviously people in the community, um, including people that run their own versions, a small version, limited run. I had to like kind of put one in their place at a convention where they were like, they were like bitching about limited run. Like not to me directly at another table. And I was like, yeah, I'm friends with, you know, I said, I'm friends with Josh and people there. So I'm just let you know. I said I try to say nice. I said you guys would be doing what you're doing if it wasn't for limited run, taking the huge risk they took in order to do this in the first place. Sure, I understand yeah. a lot of people's initial issues with them, and I I, I certainly was you know I, I had issues with the the very limited nature uh, of you know their initial runs of stuff like when it was Vita, but I think a lot of people still hold on to that that grudge because I I you know. Despite the name, uh, you know, a month-long pre-order window is, um, it's generous. It's, you know, it's, they get the physical copies out there. They help developers. Um, you know, it's, it's a, it's a net good. And 
you know, I've said this before, no one likes anything limited, but it's because it's being talked about as limited that people uh, get worked up. You know, yeah. we talked about it before when Nintendo said they were going to limit the production of the Mario 3D uh, collection. You don't want to ever hear that this stuff is going to be limited, but in reality, nothing ever gets printed into perpetuity. Anyways, everything has a print run <clears throat> or multiple print runs. Um I, I don't think it's as big of a deal as people make it out gotcha. to be anymore. Yeah. Um, and one of the big things that they're in this uh, press release that they focus on was the carbon engine, which is somewhat newer in terms of a public uh, space where uh, it's basically an internal developed proprietary thing that you can convert uh, games from previous platforms to a modern game. Uh, and so that's a very interesting technology. And it looks like they did that. They used it. It wasn't, I think, publicly called Carbon Engine. They'd use it with Shantae and Rivers uh, City Girl Zero. So it's interesting that that's up front and center why Embracer Group, probably one of the reasons why they wanted to acquire them, uh, besides obviously they're a profitable company that's making money hand over fist. And they have and they have good relationships, obviously, with Disney properties and other groups. But um, no, it's interesting that they, they focus in on a Carbon Engine. And if you take it at their face value, remember Embracer Group was talking about <clears throat> preservation months back. They sure. want to get into preservation, so it, it's it's a marriage that makes sense as long as it's operating independently. They, they don't try to meddle. I think it'll be fine. But they, like I said, they also got Lord of the Rings rights. They acquired um, uh, Singtrix, so I'm not familiar with that. I don't even know what that is. Uh, Singtrix LLC. It's a music gaming pioneer. Um, they they did MT, MTV Drumscape in '96, and it looks like done a bunch of some other stuff. They did that. Lord of the Rings, like you said, and Hobbit Literary Works. Okay. Uh, oh, it's directly those two, those books, Lord of the Rings and The Hobbit. So the literary works. Okay. So they can then okay. do another Lord of the Rings movie if they wanted to. Then they acquired Tuxedo Labs. Uh, I've heard the name. Yeah, uh, me too. I'm but I can't the, remember exactly why. Uh, it's in the thread here. Maybe it was a saber. I'm trying to see what they came out with here. Found in 2019 in Sweden, Tuxedo Labs has 16 members. They did Teardown. Um, have you heard of, heard of Teardown before? No, I haven't. So maybe I'm just wrong. Okay. So that sounds like a smarter, a smaller company. And then they got Tripwire Interactive, um, which is a U.S. developer and publisher as well. It's been around since 2005. Um, Killing Floor. 35 million players, Rising Storm. Yep, I know Killing Floor. Uh, over 14 million players. And Maneater, over 16 million players. Are these are these free-to-play games? No. They're not? Okay. No. No, Maneater was the uh, game where you can play as a shark. That was really oh, popular okay. last year, like the year before. Okay. And Killing Floor is kind of like a... Um, like a Call of Duty Zombies, I think it's like an one of those like kind of like endless team based first person shooters where you just wave based where you're fighting waves and waves of enemies. Uh, they they acqu acquired a uh, okay. This is I guess it was, leads up to this. They're, they're, this Embracer Group is uh, announcing their eleventh operating group. This is a huge company, Embracer Free Mode, which focuses on retro slash classic slash heritage gaming and entertainment, game development, production devices, gear, and collectibles. So that's probably one of the reasons they wanted to get limited run. They want to get more into that sort of scene. Right. So we're going to marry all this stuff together. All right. And there's there's more. that they, they acquired like three other places, but okay. I mean, it's came out with a bang all, all uh, a few days ago on the 17th. 
they did that. Um, our pal Howard Scott Warshaw. Yeah. Did an interview with IGN. I read through some of it. I didn't read through all of it. It's a, I, it's a nice little article. Um, Howard, it looks like, has another book coming out. Uh, we talked about the book uh, came out. Came out. God, was that two years ago? The book came out. Yeah, I think it probably was at this point. Um, about his his life. Um, this one is more about time at Atari, called Once Upon Atari. Uh, according to uh, this IGN article, uh, written by um, Rebecca Valentine. It's a cautionary tale of the perils of crunch, the advent of new game design ideas, an industry-shaking crash, and the necessary inevitable movement of game creation from its formative wild west years to the much larger collaborative efforts we see today. And I guess through, you know, Howard's eyes, you can basically see that happen. You right. Know, because he was at Atari, you know, at the at, not the beginning, beginning, but almost, just about. Uh, 1981 was when he, yeah. when he joined and... Um... You know, he said he enjoyed it because it was uh, the technical challenges were much sure. were much bigger than they were at uh, Hewlett Packard, and he enjoyed you know he enjoyed that. But yeah, I I kind of thought he was there in eighty. I thought it was a little bit earlier, but eighty one. But you still you know you still have you know just still when when Warner bought it, so it's like this is not the original original Atari, right? Um, but it's still like you know it's pretty loosey goosey to an extent. You have these most of these games are still like one person working on a game or two. Um, he always did Raiders of the Lost Ark, so he had a relationship with Spielberg to some extent at that point, and he did Yar's Revenge. Um, and so this is going to probably go into more detail about E.T., and this article talks about the awkward conversation where he flew out to talk to Spielberg, <laughs> which he's brought up in video game years about. Yeah. You know, Spielberg basically said, well, why don't you make something like Pac-Man? And it's like, I have like five weeks to do this game. Like, I can't make a Pac-Man game. Five. Yeah, I always thought it was six uh, weeks, but uh, I'm I'm reading the article now and it's five, which uh, hell, makes you, it even more heroic. Give them seven <laughs> or eight; it doesn't matter. Like it's right. a, an insane amount of time to put together a you know a, a functional game. Yeah. You may not like it, but it's a functional game that you know he didn't do a hundred percent of it. Uh, he he didn't do you know the art and all, and all the sound, but just to do the programming, this was not just like taking a, a pre existing game and just you know putting graphics over it, which looking back probably would have been a much more successful game if they just found another game and just put ET graphics on top. You know, it probably would have worked out better. Um, yeah, I, I check out the article. Uh, when is, when, does this book tell, does this article say when the book is coming out? I'm going to look that up. Oh, Once Upon Atari. Once Upon Atari, How I Made History by Killing an Industry. Um, Oh, it's out now. Okay. All right. Okay. Oh, wait, wait. That is the same book. Why do you say it's a new book? That's the one we that's the one we talked about before. Back it came out in 2020, end of 2020. Why does this article make it seem like there's another book coming out? I mean, they just talked to him about it finally. Okay. That's maybe <laughs> the world's been kind of weird, I guess. <laughs> yeah, it was posted August 17th and updated. Uh, so okay, well then check out the book that we talked about before. I thought there was yeah. a second book. It's fine. It, we like to talk about Howard. I, I, I like to talk about Howard. It's it's nice to talk uh, to a guy who's helping out people. R- really nice dude. He takes it in stride when people say, you know, you helped kill you know the video game industry, and you know he and he's very gracious when he comes out to events still like Portland, 
and other ones. I try to. Yeah, talk. I don't think I've ever met him in person, but he always seems like uh, a swell guy. Talked to him a few times. I I first met him on the set of the ABGN movie, which was holy shit, uh, ten years ago. Jesus, that that that, that filming in the desert ish scene was ten years ago when I still had short hair. That's how I t- tell time. Quitting my job in the hair. That's both 2012 where it transitioned. <laughs> You know where you can't get a haircut, but you can get a lot of other things? Where are you? UltimateNintendo.com. Uh, yeah, you can get uh, Not For Resale. Um, uh, Blu-ray. You can get the books. You can books. get the enamel pins uh, yep. with my scruffy hair on and Ian's scruffy hair and beard on one of them and just my hair on the other. RBI baseball stickers out the wazoo. They're popular with the kids, the RBI baseball stickers. Absolutely. They they sell every week. They sell out at the conventions usually. And T-shirts, limited T-shirt, are blowing out. If you if your size small, well, we got the shirt for you. The limited shirt, it's only ten bucks size. If small. you're a if you're if if, if you're a, a small framed fan, uh, now is the time for you to shine. You got a medium uh, size, a brand new T-shirt, medium size dog. Cut out, make it a sweater medium for the pooch. Because a, a, yes. a large size dog, you probably won't fit in that shirt, but it could. At ultimateintendo.com, um, I'll be on. Uh, Twitch every Wednesday. I, it's one of the highlights of my week, to be honest. It's it's actually like kind of distresses me from Tuesdays. Uh, it's it's twitch.tv slash and watching 70s, 80s, 90s commercials, and then Cameo. If you want a Cameo shout out, cameo.com slash Pat Contra. Speaking of uh, shears, Ian, you still have my, my mini scissors. Thank God. We never told the whole story. I was freaking out packing up. Because I had the scissors. I, I had these scissors that the I got. The perfect pair. The perfect pair of scissors for cutting those labels. The, and, and for beards and for eyebrows. Because um, they're not sharp edges. They're blunt edges. So, right. like, because you can buy. I, I went to the dollar store again. I got that the dollar. That was part, Ian, of a two-pack. I found it on, on Amazon. That was part of a two-pack beard grooming set that I found at the dollar store. Where you got the brush. You got a little brush. And you got the, the, the shears. Right? So I said, mm-hmm. oh, my God, that's perfect for eyebrows. I need it for my eyebrows. My eyebrows grow like wild, like weeds. You think my hair grows like weeds? The eyebrows, I got to trim them every week, you know. So, but they're also the perfect size for cutting RBI baseball stickers. And if I leave in my in my backpack by, by accident, or as Ian did, they did TSA did not catch those scissors because he didn't no, know he was carrying be. them. They're not sharp anyway because you can buy mini scissors, but they're super sharp usually, the little mini ones. They're super sharp. I don't want that around my eyes. I don't. No. So, so yeah, I was freaking out. I lost them. I must have dropped them, and you said in your bag, but you got them back for me. So I need those bit back, damn it. Those are, like, essential. I, I might buy a backup pair. But I went, that's one of the reasons I went to the dollar store, Ian, was to try to find a replacement pair, <laughs> see if they had. But, no, they had a, they had a three-pack set. If you want to get stuff for, for, for uh, taking care of stuff, they had a three-pack, nail clipper, tweezer, and, and little mini scissors for $1.25. Can't go wrong. You can't go wrong. I, I almost it. feel like start, I almost feel like wholesaling from dollar store and selling on my website ultimatetunnel.com and and selling those things. <laughs> drop drop ship scissors. I mean because that stuff you you on Amazon that stuff's like seven eight bucks to get that same sort of stuff, and it's a buck yeah. twenty five. And it was a real brand. I forget the brand name, but uh, I was happy and I bought I bought that. But I did not find the exact set that you have. There, I did not. You know what makes me happy, Ian? Gimmick. Gimmick does. Gimmick makes you happy. Gimmick makes you happy. Where Where is the gimmick plush toy? I am 8-bit. I told you that three years ago when you started selling the soundtrack. I said plush would sell like wildfire. It a would. licensed gimmick plush. Because it's a fucking plush. It's a toy plush. You make a he's plush. A, he's a toy. It's a toy. Come you on. do it. 
It makes sense. <laughs> so um, there was a Sunsoft event, Ian. We'll use that very lightly. The word event. Uh, yeah, there was an event. Uh, it was uh, <laughs> it was a lean and mean uh, eight minutes. Uh, the same uh, way my lunch every day is an event. Right. Um, but hey, Sunsoft is back and we're happy. We're happy for them. Did they ever go away? Um, <laughs> you know, I'm not sure that they ever really did. This is just, you know, kind of like, a, hey, we're, we're still here. Um, and they announced a few games. One of them is uh, a re-release of Mr. Gimmick. Um, probably at this point, it wasn't always their best known property, but at this point, it's probably their most famous. Um, uh, it, it's gotten pretty damn popular. Batman's probably years. still their, you know, Batman or probably Super Nintendo games, maybe. But people don't realize that, like, something like Death Valley Rally is probably a, a Sun Saga. All right, all right. It's, it's good. Um, so they are bringing back a gimmick. It's getting released on, I think it's the Switch, PlayStation, Microsoft, PC, everything. Um, and they are also announcing uh, uh, Euphoria is uh, getting a release as well. Uh, both of those were released in Sweden? Scandinavia area, yeah. Scandinavia area, but never made it over here. Um, so... So, yeah, so I, it's the it's the regular game with a bunch of extra features. Well, obviously, there's some emulation features. There's like the rewind stuff. There's a there's yep. a there's a speed mode. There's a normal mode. Uh, there's you can rewind and go forward. So let me tell you, gimmick's a tough game, especially yeah. if you're going to get all the each stage has its own uh, special secret item that if you do not get it, you cannot possibly get the good ending to the game. You get the melancholy ending. So there's actually you know multiple. Multiple multiple endings for an NES game is pretty rare. Not there's not a lot where that actually happened. Um, so that was a cool thing, and I to this day to this day have there's the one secret item I forget. I don't think it's the the last one. I think it's the second to last secret item. I, I never was able to get on, on on actual hardware without like you know save stating it a thousand times. There's one. The first few are, are gettable for me fairly easily, but then there's a couple that are tough on that. And it's an incredible game. It's great. Let's talk about this presentation. Um, it's a VTuber presentation. Mm-hmm. That's all the rage. A little weird. It, it says it's a person that's running the Twitter account. Who knows? And the person behind Sunsoft and the Twitter account, Sunsoft Games. And then, uh, so there's Euph- Euphoria is not as well known as Gimmick. Uh, but it, it's, a, it's the same sort of graphics style. You have cute sort of like animal-like little puffy characters. Um, that one's there's like different items and stuff as well. And then there's a third game they put on here, Ian, that I have not heard of. Iki Unite. So now that I've read about it more, I do recall it. Uh, the original is known to be like one of the worst games um, on the Famicom. It was kind of, um, this game's press article says it, that it was uh, notorious for coining the worm, uh, the, the term Kusoge or, or crap game. Okay. Um, but now uh, Iki Unite is supposed to basically realize the developer's original vision uh, and it's a multiplayer co-op roguelike in that uh, players team up in larger small groups to battle a feudal overlord. Uh, that actually sounds really interesting to me, and I, I definitely want to check that out. And it has more of a modern graphic style. Yes, like. yeah, this is more of like a modern game, whereas sure. uh, Gimmick and Euphoria, as far as I can tell, are basically just getting... They're NES games. The, yeah, they're, the, they're direct ports with additional stuff. Uh, someone had surmised that maybe... Um... Oh, by the way, we talk about the um, where's the captions on this? Um, they're going to do a vinyl uh, and cassette of the music 
yep, Michigan Shore is doing that. Um, they, uh, I, I'm really, really, really looking forward to it. They're using um, the same artist that they used for the Mega Man Legends uh, vinyl. It's going to look awesome. I, I don't usually collect this stuff. I think the cassette looks adorable. And, and gimmick, we'll call it Gimmick Green, if you see that. It's about six minutes into it. Um, that's and, and the soundtrack is obviously amazing. So if you want to just get it to listen to. Yeah. Um, and so... I'm not. I don't know much about Euphoria's music. I'm, I'm not as familiar with the game. Um, if, if that's getting, if it's that'd be worth. No, no soundtrack there. Can we do a plush? Can we do a plush, please, please? Give me plush. I'd be sitting behind me forever. I'd be cuddling with it. I mean, honestly, you can do. I mean, all the characters are. Uh, all the enemies are toys. Uh, all, all the main enemies, all the bosses, and one of the uh, sub bosses. So you could do those as well. So, all right, well, here's the Sunsoft doing something. Some people were surmising that the arcade release was going to be, they're going to do something with that as well. The, the... Um, yeah, I, I would like to see it, but my I feel like, uh, now I can't even remember what the hell that system is called. It's right on the tip of my tongue. I feel like those probably have locked up exclusivity deals because they're Cause, expensive cause... to buy the boards for. And you you can't, you can't make like an expensive board and then XA immediately arcade, re- yeah. and then immediately release the game because the people sure. yeah the the uh, X XA Arcadia. Arcadia or whatever yeah because that's still that's still technically I guess a new product that's only right. been out a few, it's only been out looks like a couple of years right um, and so. they, I mean if people are just getting them and these are like I think they're <clears> like two thousand three thousand uh, dollar boards twelve hundred dollars release that yeah twelve hundred bucks twelve twelve sixteen. Oh, okay, to. that's cheaper than it was when I first checked. So that's good. So I mean, like, yeah, I can sort of see that. I would love to see this somewhere, um, like in like even like a like a Japanese arcade or around one. Um, by the way, we're getting around one in San Diego. There's one in development. I'm so excited, Ian. Oh, nice. National City's going to have one. I guess is there a mall in National City? I just as an aside, I think that's um, way. yeah, I think there. Well, is. I'll let you get another pack of Starbucks because I did not. I kept my card and did not. Uh, the, the, I'm guessing the points work at every round one. It would make sense, like a Dave and Buster's. If, you know, if, you've, ever, if you've never been to a round one, imagine a, a Dave and Buster's, but enjoyable and has stuff you actually want to play. Like that's that's a round one. Yeah, the pinball is expensive and not well maintained, but okay. Besides it, it, that, neat. the other 98 percent of the place, the best redemption games. They have good arcade games. They have all the the top end stuff there. I uh, lo- love that Konami Marble game. I do want to go back to one uh, just because I really want to play that weird Pac-Man pinball yes, looking game that was, that was out of order when we were there, unfortunately. Yeah, right up front. Uh, Hasbro plans to make a lot more video games. They own the rights to obviously Magic the Gathering, Dungeons and Dragons, Transformers, and G.I. Joe, which doesn't even get a mention in the front of this article, which shows you how much G.I. Joe has fallen in stature it doesn't get a fucking mention D gets a mention but not gi joe in this article okay D is the fucking hot shit right now mm-hmm. should have been me um so i mean they came out with the, the gi joe game last year that no one cared about the uh third person shooter game didn't look terrible i had zero yeah, wasn't interest it in. like a battle royale type game or something like that mm, no there was missions there was oh, there, okay. there was single player missions i believe but it, it looked just like okay this is okay there was like I think four or five different Joes you can be, I believe. But but if I'm looking at, it, I'm like I don't want to do it. You know, there's an arcade GI Joe game no one ever talks about. Right, it's pretty damn good. Can someone re-release that? That's like, like it's never been released anywhere. Can we get that somewhere, please? You almost never see that arcade game. It's great. Third person shooter, early third. Okay, person yeah. Shooter. I was about to be like, I think I've actually played this before. It's, a, it's amazing. Have. 
It's yeah, really it's, fun. It's a pretty it has, a, has scaling graphics. Yeah. There's four players on it. So I think it's Duke, Rock and Roll, Scarlet, and, and uh, Snake Eyes, I believe, are the four. I don't know why rock and roll gets all the, and they try to pump up rock and roll. No one ever cared about rock and roll, but whatever. He was an original figure, and they re-released him a couple times. Anyway, was it rock and roll? Um, anyway, so uh, they're trying to. Okay, they're going to do uh, six the, the six video game studios and working on many unannounced uh, projects. There's an unnamed studio. Why is it unnamed? I guess it's secret still. And there's one in Eastgate, Washington, uh, all led by ex Bungie developer uh, Leia Hoyer. Okay, they're going to come out with stuff. That's the bottom line. They're gonna. They have the rights to. I remember they have all the board games. They have Scrabble, yeah, Baldur's Gate. They got. Um, I don't know. I don't. I'm not gonna get my hopes up for a good GI Joe game. But I, I, honestly, you re-release the re-release the freaking do a do a re-release pack of of the the Commodore 64 game that I remember playing at. <laughs> I remember that game? That was a decent game. Uh, come out with all hell. Come out with the fucking Atari game. That was crap. Uh, come out with the, the decent Commodore game with different play modes. Come out with the arcade game. Come out with the two NES games. There was no GI Joe games in the 16-bit era, really. I'm trying to think. Like my God, I mean, it was it was dead by the mid early to mid 90s. It was pretty. Oh, there's, much none. Dead. there's none. There's none. There's none. I'm uh, looking at the Apple II game, which is probably the same. Same as thing. The, uh, the it was a fun game. It was actually a fun game. Uh, for what there was like different Apex builds too. Yeah. No, I own it. I own that in the box. I think it's, it's somewhat tough to find in the box. I mean, because no one bought it. Uh, yeah, just come out with those games and I'll be happy, Hasbro. Come out with that. Uh, Gamer Rage is real. You just saw it. I was complaining about GI Joe stuff. <laughs> so this article is from um, Eric Griffith of Good Old PC Mag. Good Old PC Mag. It's been around forever. So uh, there's a handy infographic at the top here. What do I like an infographic? How often do you feel extreme anger while gaming? And across the top, going to the right, you have Xbox, PlayStation, PC, Switch, and phone tablet. And then going down, you have rarely once per week, daily, or more. And if you just look at the daily or more, uh, (laughs) this doesn't strike me as a surprise. Um, The Xbox had a response of 21.3% of gamers. felt angry about video games Ex- every day extreme anger extreme anger how, i wonder every how day. that's qualified like do you like do you like throw like what is extreme anger like do you like want to hurt someone like right. so no idea so if you know anything about statistics there's something called a significant difference and i have to see what the sample size were and run the the anova but 21 versus 12 percent would seem to be significant that's what playstation is 12.4 percent pc is only uh 14 percent in that range switch is 10.5 percent we're more well balanced on the switch you know you're playing animal cross you're not gonna get pissed off and then the phone or tablet this make this tracks eight percent because you're on a phone or tablet you're relaxing you don't want to get extreme anger when you're on the crapper you know that's not what you want to do when you're playing your games on there or just watching tv they're more laid back you know the quote-unquote casual game so what is it about Xbox versus Sony or the differences? Was that, is that, a, is that a, a meme or is that like, what is that you think? I, I honestly just feel like it's, uh, you know, kind of like a self-fulfilling prophecy, you know, in the 360 era, um, it was known for being the hardcore system that you played your online shooters on. And I think that kind of held over, you know, in the Xbox One era. era. So I just, I feel like that the people who gravitate towards an Xbox and are playing online are probably, uh, I don't know, 
playing more for keeps, I guess, you know, they, they, they take it more seriously. Sure. Um, I think it's, it's less on the PlayStation because I think the PlayStation probably has a larger, um, like, like a broader user base. So maybe you don't get quite as okay. much concentration was... of people who take their games really seriously. It's I, think, like, Switch is, I think it's right. I think you're right with Switch. Uh, in terms of the extreme anger, because a lot of the games that you play on the Switch are not, you know, there's fast-paced competitive games on the Switch, but a lot of them are, you know, a, a bit slower, a bit more adventure a bit more take this at your own speed. Adventure-y. Uh, th- and this is, this is, uh, this is the, the population here. Uh, 1,045 U.S. gamers, average age of 28.6, who game a minimum of four hours per week. Uh, the average was 15 hours. 15, okay, so like a couple hours a day. It found that the game franchise that angers them the most is Call of Duty, 23.5%. Okay, so yeah, without even reading this, that's exactly what I was thinking. I feel like a lot of the people who play Call of Duty a lot, that's more likely to be an Xbox player, and here we are, Call of Duty is the game that's causing the most anger. Uh, What drives people to such destructive extremes? Um, Oh, the survey asked whether people had broken things while in a game rage, and almost one in five said yes. We are an angry, sad population, if that's true. Twenty percent of people are breaking stuff when the average age is twenty-eight years old. The object most broken is the controller or keyboard slash mouse, of course, at a whopping seventy-three percent. So that's so. I'm sorry for your controller or mouse. Um, don't stand near a wall if you're a game if you're if you're a local gamer as I rate the next broken even ahead of a TV monitor, 6.6%, is the household drywall at nearly 16%. Jesus. And 25.5% have lashed out at loved ones when in a rage. Probably you know those rage heads? I, 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 was, I was friends with one, and he was one of my closest friends growing up. Uh, from, I knew him from like the time I was five until you know we kind of fell out and lost touch. Never had like a falling out, but we lost touch probably about five years ago. And uh, he was one of those dudes who would just get fucking pissed about shit and put a hole in the wall. And it's like, no one thinks you're fucking tough, man. Yeah, I did that when I was 15 and lashing out right? in in puberty, you know, because I was pissed. But once you become an adult, no, no, you shouldn't be you shouldn't be hitting walls with things. Adults who punch walls, not not a not a cool thing. No, Um, go. go, I, I wow. When I hear when I hear that and I see these, this is a this could be a whole main topic we wanted to. When I see once per week, across the board, at least once per week, uh, if you combine them, if you're if, so, if you're an Xbox gamer, at least once per week or daily, you combine the both both Pat Math. That's like sixty percent. Sixty percent of an Xbox gamer ha- is extremely angry while gaming at least once per week. That is nuts to me when I see that I- extreme anger. Once a week, you are experiencing because of a, of a video game console. Yeah, game it, it's mind blowing to me. Um, you know, I, I I say it a lot, and I don't. I'm not trying to like rub it in people's face, but games make me happy. I play video games because I need an escape from bullshit. If video games made me extremely angry, I would simply not play yes. them. Yeah, like even the Switch though on here, you have once per week forty three percent. That seems high to me. I guess what you lose a Mario Kart, you get super pissed off, but like. There's a difference between getting upset, angry, extreme anger. I, I I need to see the actual how they define extreme anger. Like what is like how is that actually defined in the study? Yeah. Um, but that's insane to me. Um, so what makes you extremely angry when gaming? Sixty point seven percent repeatedly losing at the same level. 
43% other player using hacks. Cheeks, I get that. I would stop playing a game if there was too many cheaters. Uh, but maybe if you paid the money for the sure, game. Sure, but I mean, yeah. cheaters and stuff like that, that's 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 on someone else. That's not on you. you this know? next I'd one, say. I don't believe that 43% says they're extremely angry at game bugs. At game bugs? Like, besides, besides like, you know, Cyberpunk, what, what games coming out have those extreme bugs that, like, break the game that badly? But okay, 40% griefers and 22% campers. So obviously, when you see campers, that's a lot of, obviously, first-person shooters. First-person stuff. stuff. Uh, obviously, with hacks and sheets, that's going to be a lot of first-person shooters as well, or, or third-person shooter. I, I don't know if there's a lot of cheaters in like stuff like Fortnite, or they have that stamped out. I have no idea. Um, and then what games or franchise causes you the most anger? Call of Duty, 23.5%. Mario Kart, 22%. Wow. That, I, wow. That, I thought that's a chill, laid-back game. I, I mean, I don't. When I lose a race, I'm not. I mean, I'm not happy, but I was like, okay, I lost a race. It's still a fun game. Minecraft, twenty-one percent. Minecraft, really? League of Legends, twenty percent. Smash Brothers Ultimate, about twenty percent. Sure. And then GTA, nineteen uh, percent. So there's your game. So if you're, if, so if you're angry playing the Switch, it's most likely Mario Kart or Smash. I mean, Mario Kart has got some fucking bullshit, but I mean, the bullshit is also, again, like I said, part of why I play it. I mean, I go, God damn, or fuck, or, you know, all the, but I'm not like, That's part of the experience. Mad. You're, uh, yeah. you're going to lose it. I'm not mad. You're going to be wiped out within seconds of winning a race. Like, that's what's going to happen. Yeah. That's going to happen. That's part of it, but you're going to wipe someone else out. I've wiped people out within, you know, and come from behind uh, victory. Like, that's part of the experience. Yep. That's why it's not a straight racing game. It's a whatever a party racing game. When you play it as a straight racing game, you realize how badly it's it's broken as a straight racing game. Exactly. <laughs> I don't. It's the same the same way. I don't want to play Smash Bros. without items. I don't. That, that, then play Street Fighter Two. Like right. That's sure. You're taking the fun out of it. It's goofy. Sony's being sued for five billion dollars. Jesus, Sony. Sony, 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 Sony. Is it justified? Um. Yeah. So they're being sued five billion this oh, excuse is from, me. five billion uh pounds pounds um so this is by ryan dinsdale coming from ign sony is being sued for five billion five point nine billion uh u.s dollars hey we caught up the, the dollars caught of, up. huh the dollars caught up over the yeah. years yeah Jeez. Over the price of its online PlayStation Store prices, with the plaintiff claiming Sony is overcharging consumers and abusing its position as the primary seller of PlayStation games um, digitally. So this is basically about, you know, how Sony controls the market within their online store, um, because there is no, there is no, there is no choice there you don't you can't shop around it's not like going out and buying a physical game where you can be like well see if target's got it or maybe gamestop's got it used or something like that um this is about them controlling the prices and keeping games that you know even maybe brand new in stores at 1999 because they've been out for a while they'll often still charge you know 60 dollars. they'll charge the full price for the game um you know, on the online store where they've got you, uh, you know, uh, uh, as a captive audience. This was filed by a consumer rights advocate, Alex Neal, the ex-managing director of a nonprofit consumer advice organization, which is leading the legal action. It says the game is up for Sony PlayStation. Uh, filed with the Competition Appeal Tribunal. Man, everything sounds fancier over there versus here. We don't have a, sure. a appeal tribunal over here. They don't have any tribunals, I think. Um, 
states that consumers have been overcharged for digital purchases of games and DLC as Sony is charging a 30% commission. So the argument is that, like, if, if you're a company, you're forced to charge more to make up that commission. And there, there is something to be said for that. We, we talked about how, like, you know, Microsoft's been lowering it because Epic Games originally lowered it. Uh, 30% was established by Apple. Uh, you know, right. way back in the day, and I guess Microsoft did something similar in the Xbox store, and it's just an arbitrary number, thirty percent. Me personally, I think that's way too much. Uh, yeah, I think charge. that's insane. Uh, if you if you if you told me, hey, Pat, fifteen twenty percent, okay, that's fine. And so obviously, uh, in people and in, in organizations, the fact that they're lowering it means that okay, we we're obviously making a good profit margin still. It's just that thirty percent is just arbitrary and existed. So this is similar to like I think uh, Apple got taken got was taking the core of this as well because Apple sells the devices like Sony sells the, the consoles, but then they also run the store and then the only game in town to buy. If you're going to buy a Sony digital, you know, game, you're most, most likely to buy it at a Sony store, right? Like, that's what's in front of you. And they set the prices. There's not really competition. That's the argument. We'll see what happens. Obviously, if they broke that, that would be big news, big, big news. Uh, the quote here, we believe Sony has abused its position and ripped off its customers. Uh, I don't know. We'll see. We'll see how far this gets. Yeah, I, I honestly don't think it's going to get very far, but um, it's still interesting to see it brought up. And the value, the value comes the from value. Uh, the estimated damages per individual over the last six years uh, since it's been out the console. Uh, I guess that's where it's coming from. Uh, range from around seventy nine dollars to six hundred sixty four dollars, excluding interest. So I think that's, I guess the argument is well, if Sony is more competitive. And, you know, in games would be che- cheaper if they weren't taking a big of a cut. This is how much more consumers are spending because they have a monopoly. Right. So, I mean, that makes sense. I, I, I mean, I'm interested. Obviously, this stuff, it seems like consumer protection seems to be somewhat stronger in Europe. Yeah, that's I mean, that uh, people can definitely tell us if we're wrong on that. But that that's my that's always been my kind of take on it is that at least superficially, at the very least, it looks stronger. Sure. Uh, Ian, what's going on with your Sega over here with these with the movies? What is this? What's happening here, buddy? What is this? <laughs> um, so Sega has said that uh, um, they would like to start doing more movies, more video game movies, sure and they, they have announced that they are doing a Comic Zone and Space Channel Five <sighs> movie. We'll see if we ever get these. Um. Space Channel 5, I think, actually has an interesting enough setting and story. I mean, the game's about pirate radio stations in space and an alien invasion. And I think you could actually probably, if it's stylish enough... Could actually, probably, yes. (laughs) Yeah, um, I I think it would, you know, be something that could be fun. Comic Zone is... I I have no idea why they're... um, Dragging up Comic Zone, I mean, an interesting action game from the Genesis that really wasn't great about a guy with a very 90s long, slim, blonde ponytail and sunglasses fighting his way through comics. Uh, we have so many fucking like superhero movies that I, I think one about a generic guy in a I, I just seems like a bad idea. Seems like a bad, bad idea. They're sucked into the age of their comics. That's that's such a trope. That was done on the Noctropolis back in the day. Yeah, these these movies are not happening. I, oh, I, yeah. I, no, if if you told me, okay, maybe we'll do like a Space Channel Five like little animated thing, 
little short film. I mean, okay, that's a cool idea. No one knows, and the, and the no one knows these properties by and large. Like no one knows these. Like these, these, these. Like the reason they're called obscure is because they are. So I mean, like this is these will not be movies that you will see. I I, I will bet money on you will not see these movies made. Well, uh, I mean, this happened. This is this has been the the case for so many things that we've talked about over the years. Is the uh, Pong movie, say, Tetris movie, could you Tetris get movie? Yeah, we all these movies. People are like, yeah, yeah, it's absolutely in the works. No, it's fucking not. No, it's not. Like, I, like I said, I, I I do think Space Channel Five on the surface would be interesting but, enough for one, but, but you, it's you, not going to get made. That's a that's a dancing game, isn't it? Like I said, there's a story and a world to it, though. I mean, they fleshed it out pretty good. Okay, it's interesting. That's I'm, a- I'm saying you could. I, I I have no idea how you would make a Comic Zone movie. I have no idea how you would make a Tetris movie. I have no idea how you. Would well, make no, a Comic Zone movie. movies. Uh, you know, you you beat up thugs. Uh, you sure. know, in the in the comic, like that's it. That you can make a movie about. It just would be a very generic, like boring ass movie. Like that's it's basically it. Yeah. So um, do your Streets yeah. of Rage movie instead. We're never gonna see these. Well, are they doing a Streets of Rage movie? Did they talk about that? No. Wouldn't that make more sense? I yeah. Mean, when you're yeah, talking about would. popular Sega franchises, I mean that would be top five or six, right? Wouldn't that make more sense? Six or seven. Yeah, I would think so. I think that would make more sense. Sure. Or you can just watch Streets of Fire to get both Final Fight and Streets of Rage all right. in one. <laughs> you can get it all in Have you seen that yet, by the way? No, I haven't. Damn it, Ian. It might not be on Netflix anymore. You have to see that movie. It's such a weird-ass, interesting movie. Is it on Netflix? I, I'm, I, I think it's still on Netflix. It is. It was as of last year. So you get, okay. get in early, Ian. Get in get early. In early. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code SPOTIFY for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Ian, we have an announcement about the Genesis Mini 2 game selection. The 60 titles that will be available on this uh, second Mini. The first one came out now, what, two years ago already? The first one came out and uh, came out to it, it got positive reviews. It was what eighty dollars, um, and it had uh, did it have sixty titles. Yeah, I believe it had sixty titles. The first one, fifty, I think. I got it. It it was uh, nicely made, uh, really, really interesting titles, um, and yeah, I, I enjoyed it for a mini system. I thought it was great. Um, I I don't own the PC Engine one. I I just. I don't really need it, but the the Genesis Mini, I think, impressed me because there was some choice cuts yeah, on it. There. It, it wasn't the, the fucking cheap ass at games one, right? Sure. Emulation um, by you said by M two. Um, they they work I, on. I believe a lot. Of, I believe some of the porting was was done by M two. Okay, yes. so we'll just say uh, it was the best quality Genesis Mini that ever came out, and there has been like a handful of them over the years yeah. about oh yeah yeah no definitely so, the best of them um 
so this was announced and initially there was only like 10, uh, 10 games announced. They said that they would be adding some Sega CD games. Um, that got people excited, but they did not announce like nearly anything. So now they've got the full list and, uh, I've seen a lot of people who are disappointed by it. I think it's actually a pretty cool list. Let's go through the uh, video in order. Cause that, that'd be more, cause I can see it in the games as we go through, click on the video if you want to do that. Sure. Um, and like you said before, you corrected me that this, these are 60 original games. These are not on the first one. So that's no, no, there are no, there are no, um, there are no repeats. Uh, first so, one, Super Hang On. So Sur- yep. surprise it wasn't on the first one because that's one of those earlier titles that they really like, like a launch title, just about game, right? Or close to it. I'm kind of yeah. surprised that wasn't on the original. Yeah, 89. Um, so, I mean, I don't have a lot. Of, I mean, if you had a Genesis back when it, we're talking pre, pre-Sonic Genesis, the first like year and a half, this was a game that a lot of people had because this was an arcade title. Sure. Uh, so, Truxton, um, great shooter. Um, very difficult, very expensive. Fantasy Star Two, uh, is um, you know, a earlier classic. title ninety. Herzog's Why, uh, one of the first, uh, you know, one of the earliest ver- uh, examples of like a real time, uh, real time strategy game. And, it, and, and it's done, a, yeah, real time Genesis. And it's a space game, and it goes for a ton of money. Oh, does it go for a hundred bucks, hundred and fifty, something like that? Yeah, it was always one of those coveted ones. So that's an interesting. So you're so you're already seeing uh, that. Okay, we're going for some interesting stuff. Afterburner two, another earlier title that uh, pre Sonic title. Um, you know, it's Afterburner. It's fine. Rainbow Islands Extra, a, uh, a version. I have no idea uh, about this game. Obviously, Rainbow yeah. Islands, I do. Uh, but what's this extra? Uh, I mean, a lot of games in Japan get extra or special tags when they're ported to different systems. Okay. Um, so I don't know what makes it extra. I've never played the Genesis version of that. I would love to play it. it looks, I love the original. It looks like the arcade version when I'm looking at the graphics. Obviously, the, yeah. the NES version is different. This looks to be... Well, at least anyone, anyone in North America is different. Uh, Revenge of Shinobi. Another one that... I, I, wow, I could have sworn this was on the original. I guess it was Love, love Revenge uh, of Shinobi. The original had Shinobi 3 on it. I actually that's think right. I like Revenge a little bit more. Is Revenge, so I'm happy to see that. The second one? Yeah. Okay. So, surprising they would go 3 then, too. I don't know much about the differences. I, I, I don't, 3 was just... Uh, 3 is just generally more popular, I think. That's that's why. Uh, Hellfire. Hellfire, amazing, amazing shooter. Um, I have it on the PC Engine. The Genesis version is great uh, because the controller works better for it uh, because each button is a different shot type. Oh, nice. Gr- Granada. Granada is also awesome. Top-down shooter. shooter. That, I'm um, not familiar with that one. That looks more like an older arcade game that was ported, but, it, I mean, it wasn't, but it looks like it, just how the style is. Uh, Granada, is uh, Granada, I believe, was an arcade game, and it is maybe not, but it was definitely older. Populous. Um, Populous. Um, um, I know how popular that was in the Genesis. I believe I own it. That was one of those EA uh, releases. I think that has the thicker yeah. book in it, so it's a thicker one. And then another Shinobi, Shadow Dancers. Is that the fourth one? Or is that Shadow the- Dancer is a is a extraordinarily non accurate port of uh, an arcade game. There is a Shadow Dancer arcade game. Okay. Um, I love Shadow Dancer. Three? I don't know where it came in terms of like the. The lore yeah. is it an off? It's an offshoot, maybe spinoff. Yeah. But it's um, it's awesome. I fucking love Shadow Dancer. It's uh, a great game. A game that we brought up before. That's interesting. Game Ground. I love Game Ground. Game Ground is so much fun. Um, it's not well known. It's a very weird game, but I I love it. It looks like a gauntlet, but it's it's so much more strategic. 
Yeah, uh, Midnight Resistance is a neat one. Uh, that's a run and gun. Um, and then well, well, uh, let me look at let me look at this one for I uh, Midnight Resistance. I had not heard of this one. Is that a, is that an uncommon game? Uh, yes, yeah, somewhat uncommon. The flamethrower. It looks like the Bloody Wolf sort of flamethrower, but obviously TurboGrafx does it better, which is kind of amazing when I look at it. It looks crappy compared to TurboGrafx flamethrower. It looks it's a run and gun shooter side scroller. Shining in the darkness. Uh, not familiar. Uh, first person dungeon crawler. A lot of fun. Cute graphics. Okay. Uh, what's next here? I, 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 by the way, I love this video they put out because it gives you a description of the game with gameplay as you go through it, and this is great. Yeah. Outrun. Outrun. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. We finally get like an arcade, uh, a good port of Outrun. Uh, thank or, you. Uh, the Genesis version of Outrun is not great. It's not that good? <laughs> really? Um, it, it, it's fine. They just The Genesis does not do the super scalar stuff great. I mean, it, it was fine for the time, but now there's way better versions to play. Okay. Well, I mean, you know, talking about either Master System or PC Engine, you have a lot of choices back then. <laughs> Uh, Bonanza Brothers, Rolling Thunder 2. Oh, 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 glance over Bonanza Brothers here for a second. That's a goofy-ass game that's not really talked about that much. Um, so it is, it's what, two, is that two simultaneous players, just like Xenophobe and yes. Spy versus Spy? Yep. And, and so, okay, I'm actually, I'm this, so far, I'm impressed that they're getting some, some, I know they went through 60 originally, and a lot of these are, you know, for some of these are first party titles. But I do like the fact that some of these are kind of interesting, weird games. Yeah. Um, oh, sorry. What's the next one? Rolling Thunder 2. Okay, I'm in. I'm fucking in. Rolling Thunder 2 and 3. Um, only systems that came out for in the time was a Genesis. Obviously, I'm a Rolling Thunder fanboy. And um, no, I'm, I'm, and they're simultaneous. I'm in. Golden Axe 2. Not really familiar with this versus the first game. I don't remember playing it in the arcade. Uh, I, I remember seeing it, but at that point, I was like, oh, I already played Golden Axe. I, I mean, do you, do you like the sequel? Uh, yeah, I like the Golden Axe games in general. You can't go wrong with Golden Axe. What's next? Uh, Desert Strike. Uh, those are games that were really popular I like when them. I was younger. Uh, I didn't play them until kind of recently. They're great games. I, I think I think, uh, I think think Mike Kevin had that one. That one I think I played, he had that uh, for, for Genesis. War Song. That's, that's a hard-to-find one, right? Uh, yes, and I believe Warsong is, I think uh, the Japanese name for it is Langrisser, which is, uh, uh, obviously over there it was more popular. It's a series of strategy RPGs, but I believe Warsong is one of those. It's like and, a uh, Might and Magic, great, might and magic got, style sort of game? Yeah, it's got great looking uh, little sprite graphics. Um, it's cute. Uh, kind of like a, uh, kind of like a, uh, more like a Shining Force or a, um Advance Wars type of game, I think. Atomic Runner, not familiar. Love Atomic Runner, tell love. Uh, this so, game is extremely difficult and weird to play. You're, it's, it's a essentially a scrolling shooter, but you're uh, you're while well, you're the Atomic Runner, and he can do like really high flips and stuff like that. It's it's a it's a lot going on. It's a, but it's it's fun. Platforming scrolling shooter. Yeah, that's interesting. There's not many games like that because even Alicia Dragoon is not a auto scrolling. You go at your own pace. Interesting. Right, exactly. Interesting. I'm kind of yeah. Splatterhouse too. Okay. Hard, yep. hard, to, hard to find, or or un, I'll say uncommon. Not really hard to find. Uncommon. Uh, Sega CD game Night Trap makes an appearance. Okay. Um, it's cool that it shows up. It's one of the more famous Sega CD games. I mean, there you yeah, go. Yeah, I think it's there more as a historical footnote than anything. I mean, it's not it's not a game that people are going to spend a lot of time playing. Like I said previously, I like a lot of like laser disc and full motion video games. There's a charm to them, but Night Trap just isn't that much fun to play. Nor is Sewer Shark, which was the packing game originally for the Sega CD. I would rather play Sewer Shark than uh, 
I would absolutely rather you, play sewer shark. You than... shoot little, little, uh, yellow, orange, little rat things. Um, lightning force, lightning force, lightning force, lightning, uh, lightning force. force is great. It is part of the Thunder Force series. I think it's technically Thunder Force Four. Awesome shooter. Says, yeah, yes, it is, it it is Thunder here. Force Four. Okay. Uh, awesome shooter. Very, very brutally difficult, but like just excellent game. Uh, next, we have the uh, Ninja Warriors, which also came yep. out on, uh, or that also come out. Uh, God, God, am I confusing that with the NES one? It's not the same one. No, I believe it's on uh, Super Nintendo as Super well. Nintendo, that's right. Um, but this is the Sega CD version. Uh, it looks like uh, it, was, it was it was an arcade game. I'm not familiar yeah, with it. It was an arcade game. Uh, it's just yeah, it's just a uh, one plane beat him up like vigilante. Looks interesting or like kung fu. Elemental Master, another shooter. Yeah, um, then this one I don't actually know very well, so it'll okay. be interesting. Wow, so far, Ian, there's a lot of shooters for you on here. Uh, uh, there's like four. I think I think I looked. There's like four or five. Uh, Night Striker. Uh, Night Striker. I, yo, yeah, I, I always wanted to play this. I've never played this. this it's game a, is, that game is wild looking. It's a scalar third-person shooter. Racing it, game. It's racing? It's, you're shooting stuff. Yeah, but I mean, you're a car. It's, it calls it a shooter. I know, but I'm just saying. Look at it. It's a you're a car. <laughs> yeah, but but no, but it's not racing because you're. It's not a time limit. That's what I mean. It's a oh, shooter. Okay. The, the object is to shoot things. You know what I mean? Sure. That's what I mean. Final Fight CD. All right. Oh fucking version. K. The best version, version of the game that came out back then. Um, they added cutscenes. No bullshit. No, only two characters selectable. You uh, they the... still max out at four, but it's it's better than um, it's better than what we had. No, I mean like you get all three characters to play. Oh, sure, sure. That's what you're saying. There's only four enemies on screen at the time. Well, that's better than yeah. only having uh, three. Yeah, it's absolutely. It's uh, yeah, it's way better. So you have that means you have six people on screen at the same time, and on certain you had four. It was terrible. Yep. I mean, not. I mean, it was awful. Echo the dolphin. Surprise that was not on the first one. Oh, the Sega CD one. Gotcha. The Sega CD version. Uh, Robo Alest. Oh, Robo Alest. Yeah, that's a really good one to have. That's expensive. Uh, I'm not familiar. Another shooter. Yes, I say that. There's like yeah, several shooters right. so far. Yeah. Rakim has like seven or eight so far. Ranger X. Uh, not familiar. Another another uh, action game. Sort of shooter yep. hybrid, it looks like. Um, interesting. I know that goes for a little bit of money. Feeds another shooter. Um, that one's the Sega CD game. I'm not familiar with that uh, vertical scrolling. Oh, that's the one that's sort of okay. It's like it's a 3D esque, uh, like polygon type of graphics. Yeah, it was big. But it was uh, big. It was a big deal when it came out on uh, computers. I think Sierra published it over here because of how it looked. Sonic the Hedgehog CD. There you go. Sonic CD. Uh, that would make sense, obviously, if you're doing CD yep. games. Toe Jam and Earl P- Panic on Funkotron. So that is the sequel. That is a straight up platformer. Some people like it. A lot of people don't like it because it changed so much from the original game. Mansion of Hidden Souls. I have zero. I did not know that was a game. Um, that's a. It's a. It's a adventure game, a la like you know Mist or Seventh Guest. It looks like. Uh, Virtual Racing. That makes sense to have that on there. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Um. I mean, some people interesting like Interesting that it's, uh, well, there wasn't a Sega CD version. Excuse me. Interesting, but yeah. Fatal Fury it's, it's... 2 makes the cut. Okay. I've never played the Genesis version. I'm sure it's not terrible, but not great. I don't love Fatal Fury until you get to special. Super um, Street Fighter 2 is on version. here. 
Uh, I'm not familiar with how good that is. I, I mean, the, the the Genesis Street Fighter Two champion is ass. It's like the worst out of all of them. I don't know how uh, new Challengers is, um, but I mean, the graphics look actually improved versus uh, the regular Street Fighter champion. Streets of Rage Three. There you go. You got to have a Streets of Rage on there. Um, Outrunners. There you go. Now this is more interesting to me because Uncommon this was not game? an arcade game. Yeah. Um, that, and that's and that's a racing game that's in the Outrun series. Shining Force Two, excellent series. A tactical RPG, you, basically you, Fire Emblem, but Sega's version. Uh, the Echo, what the third Echo game, the Tides of Time, the second CD one. Uh, Viewpoint, not familiar with this. Zaxxon yeah, okay, so, sort of perspective uh, shooter. I believe that was SNK. Um, oh, Sammy's arcade classic. Sammy. Well, you can get it on the you can get it on the the MVS. Um, yeah, it's a neat game. Uh, the classic clay fighter mix. <laughs> that that didn't really need to be there. <laughs> uh, they probably cheap rights. Uh, Rye Star, that's that's a cult classic. Yeah, great like. one. Sega made. Um, nice. Beautiful graphics. Cute platformer. Right the same time as uh, Sonic 3. Um, just, you know, really great design. Shining Force CD, another uh, Shining Force. Very expensive. That goes so. for a lot. Yeah, so that's a good one. Crusader of Senti, also a few hundreds, uh, a few hundred dollars worth of game there in Crusader of Senti. Uh, gorgeous looking, uh, kind of a later release for the Genesis. Uh, it's a Zelda clone, but it's, it's a damn yeah, good one. It, it looks like Link to the Past. Uh, Norm did a video on this years back. And yep. It goes. It's always been one of those ones that went for decent money because it's like it's like it's like they're it's like the action adventure game to play. I've never heard of the Ooze, but it's on here. It's a top down action game where you're an Ooze going around. It looks quirky and interesting. I never heard of it before. Uh, Alien Soldier, great, great treasure game was not released over here. It was uh, European only, uh, European Europe and Japan only. Um, this is a big one to get on there. Big, big uh, Earthworm Jim two. Great graphics, obviously. People are into the series. Um, Sonic three D Blast. I mean, I guess you got to put another Sonic game on there. Is that the last one that came out in a cart? Yeah. Was that before or after uh, 3, I forget, or Sonic and Knuckles? But uh, are you, Do you like that one? Are you into it at all? Uh, I like 3D Blast, but I like the Saturn version. Vector Man 2, that's another sort of uh, one people like. It has a really great animation on there. Um, here's the special content, though. Special this is content. exciting to me. So Fantasy Zone uh, is uh, getting a, a port for the first time on the Genesis. So uh, it's a brand new uh, easy mode, explode eight planet, blah, 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 blah. Uh, if this is probably an M2 port, I'm going to assume that it's going to be very, very good. I love Fantasy Zone. Love it. Uh, Star Mobile. This is This awesome. is interesting. I'm really excited to play this because uh, this, this, this was unreleased on the Genesis, but this game was actually released on the PC Engine, and I own it. Okay. And it's a really neat idea for a game. It's a puzzle so I'd game. love to play another version of it. It's a balancing puzzle game? Is that what this yep. looks like? Yeah, okay. you, you drop you drop pieces based by weight and you um uh yeah, you basically have to keep the the scales from from um tipping. And, and you can like eliminate stuff or you have to balance. Okay. Uh, a game called Spatter. Looks like it's a, it was a Mega Drive, looks like a Japanese game. Hop on your tricycle and pedal to pick all the flowers. So it's like a Cute so little action arcade little game. Yeah, a weird gen- a weird Sega game from that era. And then an even weirder one, Super Locomotive, um, which was also a Sega arcade game from the 80s. That's I've heard a, of this. a uh, train platformer. Yes, so, yeah, it's weird because you have to manage 
I guess the action on the, on the bottom and then on the top you have to change the tracks. It's really a interesting idea. I never saw a game like that before. Uh, Devil and uh, Devi and Pie, Devi and Pie. Haven't heard of this before. It looks like a little. It's a little uh, paddle and ball game. Yeah, this one I've never heard of, but I'm pretty excited about it because I love paddle and ball games. So and that looks all, awesome. There's not too many of them. Uh, Puyo Puyo Sun versus Puyo Puyo Sun. Um, two-player versus mode from the third game. Uh, yeah, I don't know a whole lot about the series. So um, this, this, this Space Harrier Two. This is amazing. Um, it's been uh, it, it's being it's completely being redone. So it's not um, the original. Look at, right. If you look, well, it's it's the original, but like so it uses the same graphics and stuff. But you'll notice it's way way smoother. The like that game smoother. has never looked that good. Wow. So that scaling is nuts. So and they, they put Space Harrier Two is a cool game, but like it, it, it suffered from it, it suffered from the the limitations of the, of the system when it came out on the Genesis. So to like see it kind of fully realized is um, is awesome. So it's like closer to like an arcade Space Harrier. Yeah, it's, exactly. It's, it's like closer. what if Space Harrier Two came out as an arcade game, basically, which is fucking great because I love Space Harrier. No, I like so. I enjoy it. So. So this is package. I'm going to say right now, I am very impressed by this selection. I think the super, the, the CD stuff could be uh, more uh, diverse, Robust. which we get into. But just in terms of like 60 games, I don't. I there's obviously popular games. There's uncommon games. There's 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 uh, there's games that are expensive that are hard to find. The, the, the special ones at the end are really a nice effort. I love uh, the special stuff that they do. I love, yeah. love, love that. I think it. I think honestly, it makes the whole package worth picking up for people who are interested in this sort of stuff. Um, it, as long as you're into mini consoles, and I sure. get it if if someone's not. I, I think the people who have so far been disappointed by this list, and it's not to sound mean, but I feel like I don't know what you want. Do you just want surface level cuts? Because this is. To me, this is the sort of stuff that I love seeing on these collections. This is some real. These are some real deep cuts for people who like, you know, shooters or action games. There's stuff on there that you you don't normally see. And like you said, uh, the inclusion of a lot of games that are normally very expensive to get. Sure, you can just emulate, but, uh, you know, you can officially go play Crusader of Senti for, you know, half the cost for the entire system of what it costs to get a loose cartridge. Yeah, I don't see it. It's nice. I don't know the Genesis library. I'm not going to pretend. But if if I had to say, I don't see really a lot of filler on here i see no no uh, the the the, Uh, honestly sonic 3d blast the genesis version is filler uh but yeah there there wasn't there was only two or three that i saw as we were going through it where i was like "Eh, i don't really need that yeah like something looks great like something like the ooze i'm like well that looks i never heard of that but like i never heard of a cult classic that's what i mean a lot of people like it i mean so like, like there's not a lot of okay what's the big things there isn't uh Sports games probably hard to get the rights to the sports games. Like, yes, I you need. I'd love to have an NHL game on here. Yeah, I NHL '94 would make would make everyone happy. Or or you get a Madden on here, or you get a Joe Montana football. The, the licensing might be too weird, but that's a big glaring thing to me is not having at least one big sports title uh, on here, like an NHL game. That's sure. the one big thing to me is something like that. Other than that, though. I mean, but honestly, people that are complaining are probably not. They're not complaining because it doesn't have the NHL '94. That's not why they're complaining, probably. Right? You know, no, so. probably not. <laughs> so, so between the... between this I... and the first uh, 
you know, first mini, this is probably a pretty damn good, what was that, about 100, over 100 games. You know, 100. Uh, yeah, if, if if you don't want to do emulation or you don't want to do, uh, you know, a Mega SG and, a, you know, a flash card or something like that, but you want to play some Sega stuff, if you buy the first and the second minis, I think you've got a really great representative library of, of what made the, the, the Genesis special and unique to people who who grew up with it well maybe it's the complaint just... is that the cd game there's only a dozen and of those dozen you know there's a few that are like well we really didn't need i mean honestly we didn't need night trap on here or sewer no. shark to a lot of people obviously they're more iconic but no one's gonna be playing those really they're not buying it for that right that makes sense. um i think uh, you know uh, it's on the docket here to bring up i think people would have really liked to have seen uh, because they go so deep with their like their cartridge cuts they i think people wanted to see um, some of the working design stuff. I especially think people wanted to see the Lunars and uh, Popful Mail. Sure. Um, especially Popful Mail because it was the only English release of the game, uh, and it's become prohibitively expensive for you know a lot of people. Um, but Victor Ireland, uh, the guy who uh, ran uh, working designs and a real jerky guy, uh, basically said no. He said no. I'm not going to license out. Uh, um, the translations I have for Lunar and uh, Popful Mail uh, because it's just not worth it to him. Not enough money. Understanding is that he was offered the same amount of money that everyone else who licensed the game was. He's just a jerk who doesn't want to release shit. So he'd rather make uh, no money than some money. Like, like uh, yes, because I, he's that kind of he's yeah he's that kind of dude. He 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 he'll cut off his nose to spite his face. I mean, are we getting a working designs collection? Like 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 what's a, like what's, I mean, what's... it would be neat if there was something else in the works, but I don't think there is. I think it's just him sitting on top of licensing rights. And That's... they're not his games, but he owns the, the translations. So, uh, you know, uh, Sega could retranslate them and re-release them. That's my understanding. But that's a lot of money to put into, uh, you know, what I think a lot of people so... would see as three bonus games on a, on a mini console. Okay, so working designs would have to, like, re-license out the, the rights to the translation to do something like this. Is that what you're saying? No, no, they could retranslate if they wanted to, but it would take a long time. Working Designs, I believe, owns the English translations to those games, which is why it's hung up. Gotcha. Okay. That's my understanding. Okay. Okay, well, that's a shame because, like, like the Sega CD stuff, it's cool that, you know, uh, we get something like Final Fight CD, but you get, like, two Echo games on here and not one of the more expensive, like, Working Design. That's, yeah, that's a, not saying you need all of them, but having one or two would have been great for people like for the reasons you said yeah it would have been great um, it feels like that they went out of their way to get like the good deep cuts for the uh the cards the cartridge stuff yeah. and they really phoned in the sega cd stuff that yeah. said it's it's nice to see but you know a lot of the stuff that people want to see on sega cd is tied up with licensing so, and rights bullshit so the That's final thing is that. i guess we get to the fact that we when i railed against this a few weeks ago about the temp they're making only 10 percent they did for the original genesis that's uh that's that's awful Yep, obviously, and it's shocking. Um, but um, so it's going to cost you it's a hundred dollars to get this plus shipping. So it's going to cost more than the first Genesis, which is fine. It only has one controller. Uh, it has the one six button controller. Thank God it's a six button controller. Uh, are the ports a Genesis port in the front? Is, is no, that I think, they're, I think they're USB ports. They're USB. So the one you have is a USB, not a Genesis. I'm so, pretty sure. It's so USB, you can find yeah. you can find the other third party Genesis that everyone makes them. Retrobit makes them. Everyone, you know, they had. So okay, so it is more money, uh, for sure. Uh, it's coming out in October. 
So with shipping, it looks like it's 122 because uh, I think it comes directly from Japan, I believe. Yes, it's imported from Japan. So, so hopefully they make more than that because because you can't find the I think the original one anymore. Can you that you can't find it new? No, but I mean it, it had a it, I mean it, it was released and people who wanted to get it got it again as we've sure. talked about. I didn't get one podcast things aren't you did I, it. No, I almost did and I and I didn't and now it's like you can't get one for cheap. It looks like the first. so like this will sell out eventually. Maybe not at the first, but this will sell out. The first one sold out unless people were appeased by the first one and don't want the second ones. Maybe the they got all their favorite titles in the first one. You know, like maybe I, mean, I think that's Sega's fear. That's their fear, but 10%. I think that's their fear. Uh, you can get it used for 120 bucks on uh, eBay. The first ones, that's not bad. That's I mean, it was 80 bucks when it came out. So, so I mean, that's, or was it 80 or 100? I think it was 80. That's right. Only the PlayStation was 100, and that was the, the worst one out of all of them, Fam- infamously. And I should have bought that when it was on clearance for 20 bucks. <laughs> I should have got. That. Oh, jeez, yeah. Ian, we have uh, Patreon, don't we? We do patreon.com slash CU podcast. You go. Uh, we do. I do. You do. Uh, I do. Uh, uh, almost weekly writing. Uh, we do. Uh, you get the full video podcast. You get access to the bonus bits that we do before we record the main podcast. We do hangouts once a month and you get to vote in these poll topics. And we have the enamel pin club. One of the tiers, you get a nice free enamel pin mailed to you. Um, so this is our poll topics in second place. This is, this is close split. 44% is grading or reselling worse for video game collecting. And then first place, 56%, the top Super Nintendo games, according to a list curated by journalist Seth Abramson, who's done before for the NES. We've done these and these are pretty, pretty detailed lists because, because, uh, Seth, um, in the methodology combines lots of different sources, uh, both print and online, including a certain Super Nintendo guidebook. You use the NES book, uh, Ultimate Nintendo, for the for the NES list. So he's trying to like come up with a system in order to get a consensus here, which is nice. It's a, probably a lot of work. Yeah, um, a lot of work. So and, and this is a top one hundred. We're not going to do the top one hundred. We'll do like top twenty five here. There's tons of honorable mentions. This is off his website, his retrostack.substack.com. It's a uh, it's a it's a membership. If you uh, but. Looks like a lot of work went into this. So we'll start at number 25. We're going to start at one. Uh, <laughs> no. <laughs> 25. Um, Tetris Attack, also known as uh, Panel de Pone, um, is a uh, it's definitely a, a, a great freaking game. Um, you know, not Tetrisy at all, but, you know, Tetris got thrown around a lot in the 90s trying to get people to, you know, buy stuff with the name Tetris. And it's that classic, you know, you switch the two panels as everything rises and sure. it creates chain reactions. And it's a lot of fun watching people who are really good at that game is a trip. Uh, tw- and Tyver 25, Super Ghouls and Ghosts. Uh, surprise that made it that high, but okay. Um, obviously, it's, it's, an, it's an earlier title. People love it. It's hard as balls. But it's obviously super fun and polished. Who doesn't yeah. love little Arthur and his heart uh, boxers? Super Punch Out at twenty four. It's it's a good game, and I, I mean a lot of people you know remember it. It's usually one of the top ten games I would get asked for about on the Super Nintendo at Luna. Um, I never put the time into it like I did the um nes one and while i like the punch out games as an adult you realize it really is just a just a i don't know they're they're, they're more like puzzle games to me than anything sure. else i'm honestly. just surprised to see it that high. i know it's a, it was a fairly popular game 
but I'm surprised to see it that high. Uh, Kirby Superstar at 22. Great game. Not surprised to see that on here at all. Uh, also tied for 22 is Donkey Kong Country 2, Diddy Kong's Quest. I'm actually surprised that's not a little bit higher. Sure. Um, because that's 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 generally considered the best in a series that, while I don't necessarily love it, um, lots and lots of people love it. So The next is Super Mario All-Stars at 19. This is an interesting one because it's a compilation, so it's always hard at least to, to grade something like that. I forgot how I graded it exactly. It's just like what what is being offered between all the games because you're not like reviewing the individual games at that point because there's what four different games right, right. on here. So it's kind of tough to do that, but you do get uh, the first Western release of the the real Super Mario Brothers uh, 2. Um, and obviously you have upgraded graphics to the other games and the engine, I believe, was slightly different in the original Super Mario Brothers. They might be the same on the other two, but I forget. But okay, um, number nineteen, Street Fighter Two Turbo Hyper Fighting in Final Fantasy Two. So Super Mario All Stars, Final Fantasy Two, and Street Fighter Two Turbo Hyper Fighting were all tied for nineteen. Um, Street Fighter Two Turbo Hyper Fighting, I agree. I think that's my favorite version of it on the Super Nintendo. Uh, I gave it five uh, stars. Yeah, it's a it's a it's a brilliant game. Um, just uh, the right size, the right roster of characters, the right balance at the time, the right speed. They rebalance uh, the characters. Um, yeah, turbo. Turbo is just uh, a turbo or dash. Is it? Um, that's that's what it's called on the uh, PC engine. Um, just a, a a beautiful, beautiful like tightening of a of a game concept. I I can't say enough good about that one. And then Final and then Fantasy, Fantasy two. two, huge, obviously big, big, big. Big, big. Other comments uh, on that? Were you a big fan of that one when it came out? Uh, no, I just you know it was kind of. I think for a lot of people, it's the first story deep RPG they probably remember playing if they played in the U.S. It was an early release for the Super Nintendo, um, a big, big jump up for uh, from the first one to, um, you know, the second one, because technically we missed two entries in between, uh, you know, just a, a big moment, I think, for U.S. RPGs. Act Rays are getting love at 18. I gave it five stars. I'm not ashamed of, of reviewing it as a five-star game. It's it's a beautiful, gorgeous game uh, all around. Uh, it's almost like it's almost like the gameplay is like the weakest part of the game, but it's somehow it's still so beloved, which was like a, almost like a miracle uh, when you when you look at a game like that. Um, right. Uh, 17 Contra three. Sure. I actually don't know a whole lot about that one. Um, I didn't really play it recently until I, I didn't play it until recently when I got the Contra collection. Uh, I like hardcore a lot more. Um, it's not a bad game, but I like the original really like hardcore. It's obviously really good. It's super tough. Yeah. I did. I review that one for the I might have reviewed it. I believe at least gave it four, if not four and a half. I don't think I gave it five if I reviewed it. Uh, Turtles in Time, obviously. Uh, fantastic sure. port uh, at 16 beautiful like like you can you, you make the case that it's probably you can say that for a 16-bit console the best beat em up you can make that case um mega man x at 15 i love mega man no i don't i don't i don't know anything about mega man x uh i don't know if two or three is better than that but two or three did not make this list uh no i love three. x i love the first x i don't like two and three is really not great um, um in my opinion castlevania 4 making 14 is I, I don't want to say shocking, but this leads me to believe that when I see lists like this, 
that you you have a lot of people writing these for these websites that don't know per- particularly maybe the breadth of the entire library. When you start to see all these popular titles getting these high spots, that I'm not saying it's not a bad game. Supercasting it for, I'm just shocked to see it this high. Um, but, so, but that makes it at number fourteen. This one doesn't shock me, uh, just based on how like how people talk about it, how many people used to ask for it at Luna. Uh, it's not my favorite, but, but popularity um, doesn't mean it's it's fourteen out of you know seven hundred and fifty games. That's no, my point. no. But yeah. I mean, as a person who doesn't like Super Castlevania Four very much, I, I get why it could be so high. Um, I, I preferred something like uh, Bloodlines, which had I think uh, a little more teeth to it. I, I feel like Super Castlevania Four sounds and plays kind of sanitary it's hard to describe sure. but to me it's just it's very indicative of like early super nintendo it's kind of cleaned up it doesn't feel as much like castlevania as i would want it to let me I say guess. let me tell you why when i see these lists like i'll just give you an example of what's on the, not on this list that should be on this list there's none of this, the super star wars games are on this list for example um you don't see something like mortal Kombat 2 which is like an outstanding port i'm not saying it would have made the list but I would not be shocked. It just missed it at 28, actually, on here. Um, you don't mm. you don't see uh, games like SimCity on here. Uh, you don't see a game like Sunset Riders on here. And that's not even like a deep, deep cut Sunset Riders. You don't see UN Squadron on here, and that's an outstanding game. UN you Squadron's know. on here, uh, but far further far, down. I mean, for the top 25. Sure. Uh, you don't see uh, Tecmo Super Bowl, any of them on here, uh, for example. Uh, you can make the argument that Tecmo Super Bowl, uh, the first one, is as one of the best sports games ever. So that's what I mean. When you see some of these lists, you'd be like, okay, who was making these lists? Did they play a lot of these games or did they just play the popular ones? And that's when I see stuff that high, I'm like, okay, maybe that's the case. But okay, I'm throwing a little shade. Uh, Super Mario RPG at number 12. Sure. Sure. That's all. <laughs> I enjoyed the game. I played it probably more when it came out, honestly, at my cousins and watched them play. Uh, the cousins who had everything, I liked it, and uh, that's that's it's that's that's a high mark, but okay. Uh, F zero at number twelve. Uh, this would not. This would uh, twelve is high. Uh, I love F zero, but this to me is a better example than any of the yes. ones you already mentioned. Uh, I think F zero at twelve is insane and is, like I said, it's a very good game. It's very good. It's, it's not, but it's it's, it's very not a five star in its focus. It's not like particularly. There's not a ton going on. It, it, it's, well, no. just, it, it's, it's a weird game for 12. There's a lot going on. There's a lot. It's extremely polished. The mode, the mode, uh, mode seven is amazing. The, the, I just uh, mean in terms of like options and modes yes. and stuff like that. There's, there's no two player mode. No. And I gave it four and a half stars. If there was a two player mode, instant five star classic. There's no two player mode. Um, and otherwise it's a, it's a good game. Um, no Mario Kart on uh, uh, on here. Oh, no, I'm sorry. There is. Sorry, I ruined it. I thought there wasn't. I glanced it. Um, Star Fox at 11. Again, uh, too high for me, but I understand why. It's like the F-Zero thing where it was popular. Very good game. I would not have put it that high, but obviously it's beloved. Um, Secret of Mana, number nine. I don't know anything about Secret of Mana. I don't know anything good. about it. Good Zelda clone. Tie with that is Earthbound. I sure. People love Earthbound. Cult hit. The, the definition of a cult hit. Uh, number eight. Super Mario World 2, Yoshi's uh, Island. I'm glad it's getting the love that it is because people don't usually bring it up too often. I unfortunately do not have the experience to talk about this as much as the obviously the first one, but you probably agree that's pretty, pretty, pretty good for that. Yeah. Um, this is another instance where I think just how these lists are made gets, yes. gets kind of in the way. Uh, Donkey Kong Country, I used to hate the game. 
I've really learned to enjoy Donkey Kong Country over the past few years. Vani likes it. I like playing it with her. But uh, there's no reason the first one should be higher than the second one, which basically took the concept of the first game and, and, and tightened it Correct. up considerably. That, again, goes to the argument that people are more familiar with the game, so they're, they're going to rate it higher on their list. Like that's, right. that's, that's a huge flaw to me. That was not the highest reviewed one in the book, in, in my book. No, um, two, 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 by all means, yeah. is, a, 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 is a much better game. Super Mario Kart number five. I think love it's, it. I, I, I love it. This could be slightly high for me, but a top 10, I'd put it in our top 15. Um, there, there's some issues with it, but just the fact that it was such a groundbreaking game, uh, it goes that high. And the other Final Fantasy, uh, Final Fantasy 3 is number five. This well. one, I, I, I mean, I, I love Final Fantasy 3. Uh, this deserves every bit of its spot. Uh, the next, all, like these next games are all five stars in a certain uh, uh, guidebook. So it makes, I mean, so I, I don't have complaints about where these are placed. Um, no, neither do I. Not all these are five star in the top twenty five. There's there's a lot that are either I think four and a half stars or four. Uh but okay. Um Super Mario World at number three tied with Chrono Trigger. Yeah, um I mean great game. You can put it uh, higher. Uh, it's hard on, to put any, it on any given day it's my favorite Mario. It's to me it's the best platformer ever made. Um it's per it's a perfect game. I could Yeah, I I mean I have no complaints. I, I, I wrote the review, I gloat about it in the review. Uh, obviously, Chrono Trigger. Um, it's my favorite RPG. Not that I'm a huge RPG guy, but it's uh, you know it, it, there's a lot going on in that game with the with the real time sort of battle stuff with the, with all different characters. There's branching story paths, all different endings. You know, like yeah, it's beloved. I didn't review that one. I I, I honestly should go back and replay. I haven't played it in 20 years. I should back play it. Uh, and then number two, uh, Legend of Zelda: Link to the Past. Beloved makes sense. You, once you get to this top uh, three or four or five, you can basically swap things around and no one's going to complain yep. too much. Uh, uh, but number one, I was surprised to see number one sneak it out by one point. One vote, and, basically. And it's uh, Super Metroid. Um, as time goes on, and I, I, I noticed it at Luna, um, the game just gets more and more beloved as time goes on. Uh, I feel like it was a game that, you know, at its at the time, was not talked about nearly as much as it probably should have been. Not like, to say it was unpopular. Probably because the franchise you know, was as popular as it is now. Right. That's probably, but yeah. especially now looking back on it, I think this is a pretty good point in time. This makes sense to me as a point in time where Super Metroid would get voted into the number one spot. Okay. And it is. It's a it's a fantastic fucking game. Uh, so Yeah. So that's the list. Um, it's Like I said, it's a pretty good list. I don't agree... With some of these, I think some are way too high. I think you could swap out some of these fairly easily with other games. Like, and, and the placement is definitely wacky as hell. Uh, I would not argue with any of them like uh, too hard, but there's definitely ones that, yeah, I, I think make less sense. I would than not have Super Ghouls and Ghosts in my top 25. There's too, the, the, there's way too many sure. great games on the Super Nintendo, especially when you don't have sports games on here at all. Like, you, you got to have two sports games on this list, in my right. opinion. That's the thing. Like the, the fact that sports games get so, so there's Shit such on. a lack of respect for good sports games that these journalists or websites do. I don't understand it. This bias. I don't get it. Um, I think it, the problem really comes down to uh, landing on just one. Sure. No, I get it. But like, no, no, no Tecmo Super Bowl game at all is so weird to me. Yeah, that's uh, very weird. Um, if you want, if you don't want to do an NHL game because you think the ports aren't as good as the Genesis, I get it. But on its surface, one of those NHL games is like a four and a half star game. You know, just yeah. just just by default, they're excellent games. 
Uh, NBA Hang Time is a five star game, in my opinion. Uh, I, I, that's one I probably should have pointed out. Where the hell is NBA Hang Time? NBA Hang Time's at 141. Come on, man. Yeah. That game's incredible. That game's incredible. As an art, it's, it's close to the arcade game at the time. That's what I mean. Like, that's what I mean. Like, some of these reviewers, not to throw shade, they don't have the experience of, of knowing a lot of these games. That's the problem. And some of them are super high. Like, like, uh, like Doom, the fact that they ported Doom decently is amazing. It's not a top 100 game to me. It's, it's a decent, competent port of Doom. I, I wouldn't put it like 91. That's just me. There's way too many other games out there that you could, whatever. I, I did yeah. a review about it. You know what I mean? That's all. This portion of the CU podcast is brought to you by Monk Pack. Monk Pack offers low sugar, keto friendly bars, which are plant based, gluten free, and non GMO. They're the perfect snack for anyone who's trying to eat better or cut back on sugar and carbs without sacrificing taste. Monk Pack keto granola bars and nut and seed bars contain one gram of sugar or less, two to three grams of net carbs, and each bar contains 150 calories or less. Monk Pack bars have an amazing chewy texture and come in delicious flavors like sea salt dark chocolate, coconut cocoa chip, and caramel sea salt. This coconut cocoa chip one is my absolute favorite. Um, it's just a, it's a great snack. It's easy to eat in between doing the podcast and starting my other job. Um, they're satisfying and they're filling. Yeah, I love the nut and seed bars. Uh, peanut butter, dark chocolate's my favorite, and also sea salt, dark chocolate. When I'm editing the podcast, just hanging out, watching TV, watching some Netflix, it's a good snack. You don't feel guilty eating them, and they're delicious. By shopping online, you can avoid another trip to the grocery store and have Monk Pack delivered right to your door. These bars are not just for people eating keto. They're a great snack for anyone looking to reduce their sugar intake while still enjoying delicious, flavorful snacks. They contain real ingredients that are delicious and nutritious for your whole family. And in addition to being keto-friendly, the bars are also gluten-free, plant-based, and non-GMO. There's no sugar, alcohol, soy, or artificial colors. Get 20% off your first purchase of any Monk Pack product by visiting MonkPack.com and entering our code CUPODCAST at checkout, or just click the link in the description down below to get 20% off. Monk Pack is so confident in their product, it's back with a 100% happiness guarantee so if you don't like it for any reason they'll change the product or refund your money whichever you prefer so get some yummy healthy bars go to monkpack.com and use our code cu podcast to save 20 percent off or use the link below we got voicemails we do you tell them how to get anchor.fm slash the cu podcast you go you leave a voice voicemail you keep it short you keep it sweet the way pat likes it and then you got a better shot at making the show. And let me let me just explain what will decrease your chances. Please don't leave multiple voicemails in a row. You take, get your best idea and you throw the one best idea you got for that few week period. You throw it out there. Uh, don't don't hog my time up. <laughs> Try not to. Here's the first one. Hey Pat and Ian, Miles from Portland, Oregon here. Hey. Pat, I've been rewatching a lot of old punk episodes, Why? and one of my favorite parts is when you're talking about how you're going to have the M82 demo unit set up to play at your funeral and then take it with you to your grave. I was wondering if you've given any thought as to which games you'll have in it at your funeral. <laughs> I'm really interested to hear your answer because I feel like that's a very different question from asking what your favorite Nintendo games are. Uh, so, uh, let no. me know what you think. Honestly, it'd be about the same with some variety. It would be like a combination of like ones I probably experienced. I mean, I probably played the MA2 demo unit. It was like, what? It came out, what, 88? So I was like, you know, eight or nine. So you got to have games from like a, a few year period with some wiggle, like games from like up to like 90. You got to have a game like Super Dodgeball in there. I think you got to have a game like a DuckTales in there. 
You need like a Super, right. Mario, a Super Mario 2 has got to be in there. I'm looking at what do I actually have in there right now. I got a Rad Racer in there. Nice variety. You only got 12 games to choose from. You know, that, that, games like that. Games that are, some are pick up and play. You remember, you can't go past the, was it, two hour mark about? Was it 256 minutes? That's the, that's the max there. Maybe you throw a Zelda in there for fun. You know, just a combination of the hits and some of my, you know, personal favorites. I, I have Super Dodgeball in it right there. I think I might have uh, come with it when I got it and I never took it out. Uh, what are the other guys? I have something in the way. I can't see the other games. My bad. It's all from California, and I have two questions. Um, so, I was a bit too young in the early 2010s to really have been that involved in the whole community. It was basically just the odd episode of Classic Game Room or something. Um, so, I kind of wanted to know about some stuff that was around at that point. Namely, uh, what was MAGFest and... What was up with all those things, well, those um, sites like Screw Attack and uh, Retroware? Okay, interesting time. You want to say late 2000s, early 2010s, because retro was not as mainstream as now because we were all like still in our 20s, you right? Know? And, and like mid to late 20s going to early 30s. So we weren't controlling all the decisions and things. So we were the ones still discovering and talking about these games that were largely unknown still. You know, you still people were like putting up the first videos for some of these games, probably in like the late 2000s that ever, you know, were appearing online. So it was interesting. I, I went to, you know, a few screw attack gaming conventions, not the first one. I went to, that's like my first convention I was a guest at uh, in 2010. And my first Magfest was nine or 10, I believe. So the feeling more about the retro gaming community, and Ian can, could see if, uh, or, 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 or he can chime in, it felt more insulated because it was kind of cut off from modern gaming more in terms of what was available. And it really was more of a celebration of a much, you want to say nerdier thing then versus it is now. That's the way it felt. Cause there was less people in, in, I think involved with it overall. And we really were, it felt like on the front lines of, of like being the ones that knew the most about these things, because we were the ones that were still trying to prop them up and to like spread the information. That's what it felt like for the first, like I'd say, you know, from like, whatever for the first five years at least six years 2008 of youtube like 2013 or so that, that that's what it felt like to me uh, it was also just a different time because social media hadn't really taken over sure. the way it 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 it, it has uh lately and become more of the centralizing you know uh, centralizing force um back then i, I think to Pat's point, one of the reasons why it felt more separated from modern gaming was because the internet was still functioning more as a collection of websites, a bunch of different hubs. Some might have message boards, whatever, but you went to different places to get different news on, on different topics as opposed to just loading up Twitter or Facebook or Instagram or whatever and seeing what all of the people who are into what you're into are, are posting and talking about. Um, and yeah, I just, you know, I, I actually kind of miss that era of, you know, websites and uh you know the earlier times were fun because it was still people writing articles about you know developers and things like that that we didn't know as much about as we do now um yeah i don't know it was interesting and i definitely agree that it felt more cut off whereas now gaming is just kind of gaming yeah i mean macfest was a big party but like the first macfest i went to was before i went to the the the, the huge uh, gaylord hotel it was still fairly small the first one uh that i went to and then the sgcs were i felt like i was the, i was the old man at the party old man at the club at the, the sgcs i went to 
mm-hmm. I was like 20, uh, 9, 30, and the average age of everyone was like 20. I was like the average age probably. There was there was like kids there where their parents brought them to those conventions, for example. So like that, screw attacks a whole other conversation. Maybe one t- one day uh, when I'm feeling ornery, I can talk about my experience with screw attack stuff. But for now, we'll let that be. Hey, Pat, uh, Brent from Whippany, New Jersey. You're right. Pat, the podcast name's completely unnecessary. Nothing matters. Just wondering, you okay? You know, if you need to talk. All right. All right, Brent, I'll reach out. We'll, we'll go to the, the, the Whippany Diner. <laughs> and we'll uh, we'll talk. It probably is a Whippany Diner. Uh, probably, so, probably. Hey, Pat and Ian, this is Chris from Toronto, Ontario, Canada. Hey, Listened to you guys for a long time. Uh, it's first time leaving a message, so I'll jump right into it. Uh, obviously, you, you're known for your video game love, but you've also shown a, an aptitude for food. And given that you're such a you know productive entrepreneurs, I'm wondering if there's ever going to be any sort of food related product that comes out perhaps a barbecue sauce or who knows even uh, we can go all in and do some olive oil also uh i i own a toy and collectible store here and i have something that i want to send to ian nothing insidious he's going to enjoy it i, I promise <laughs> uh so how best uh could we get you some fan stuff all right thanks so much everyone bye well i guess you can if it's mostly ian stuff just dm ian he can give you an address or if not uh you know. yeah i'd say just find me on twitter dm me grape aid fade is my twitter name and uh, we can set that up. We should have done a hot sauce. Uh, Everyone does a hot sauce. We should have had a CU podcast hot sauce. CU well, hot, I, that's, hot sauce. I, no offense, <laughs> but cliche. I do a food podcast and like <laughs> is that cliche? I do I do a food podcast and John and I will eventually do something food related, but I have no idea what it will be. We we a hot sauce is like what everyone does, so I've kind of like I don't really. It's want like to doing do a your own uh, your, your your own alcohol. You're not actually like opening your own distillery. You're just putting out slapping a label on something. Right. Hey, Pat and Ian. It's Patrick from Elgin, Illinois. Pat. My question is for both of you regarding Tiger electronic oh. handhelds. Okay. What were your memories of them, and which ones did you own? Thanks. I had um, Double Dragon. I had Ninja Gaiden. I had it's over there. I had the talking all stars baseball, which I loved because you played defense on it. The original you didn't. Uh, the original two button one. This one was more like a traditional baseball game. And uh, that's it. Those are my three. I had those three, and I loved them. And then my my cousins and everyone else had the other uh, cheap early ones. I remember. Um, I had uh, I had a couple that I played a lot. Um, one was uh, the Batman one, the one based on the Michael Keaton movie. Uh, you know, re- really, really close to the uh, storyline. Um, <laughs> and then I had a Double Dragon one that I fucking hated. You don't like Double Dragon? You like Sway? Sway, Ian. Sway. Sway. Um, I had it. I just, yeah, that one always drove me nuts as a kid. I always made it to the exact same fucking spot in, like, the third level every time and died. And I just couldn't. Third level? Exactly Come on, Ian. It wasn't that doing. hard. Get the nunchucks. Um, and then uh, I had the Simon's Quest one, which was actually pretty cool and like way more in depth than you would expect for it. Um, so I like that. I had a, I had a handful of them. I got hand me down ones. You'd find them at garage sales after kids played them for two weeks and got tired of them. Um, I probably had like five or six. Rich kid. Hey, Pat Ian. Uh, my name's Jason. I'm calling from Bristol uh, in England. Um, I just wondered what you guys think of now that the eShop and 3DS is run is running its course. What would you have liked to see kept from the previous system? Uh, maybe passed over to the Nintendo Switch. For example, me, 
I loved Street Pass. I thought it was amazing on the 3DS. I carried it everywhere with me. Would love to have seen that incorporated on the Switch. And also maybe like a little adapter that you plug into the top of the Switch so you can continue playing your DS games. Um, just wondered if there was anything you guys would have carried over. Thanks very much. Great podcast. Keep going. The problem with the adapter idea is Nintendo is not only making that much money on that, so they don't want to do that. They'd rather re-release a 3DS game and sell it to you. Right, um, exactly. And then uh, you're not street passing a Switch because, you know, the battery life is a lot different on <laughs> Switch versus the 3DS. You can just keep that that thing closed and it just runs, you know, the No, the Switch, the Switch has a way better sleep battery life. The 3DS was notorious for having an awful sleep life, which is... What? Why does it keep yeah. that thing on a whole weekend if I went to a convention? No, you couldn't. That thing drains in a day, day and a half. Okay. I remember um, having a problem with that. You're saying you got to keep the Switch on idle and carry it around. It would be fine. Yeah, it would be okay. Did, what, street passing? Yeah, you would be able to do it. That's okay. what I miss the most. I miss I miss Street Pass. 100% I fucking miss uh, Street Pass. I love Street okay, Pass. So but yeah, gonna... you could totally do it. It's just because it's big. Okay, I guess you're saying the screen would have to be off. So obviously, because that would have drained power. Yeah, um, you just press the power button and it puts it in the sleep mode instead of uh, shutting it all right, off. I want to see that yeah. experiment. I want to see someone do a Street Pass mode on the Switch. I want to see how that would work. I want I want to see what that would do. Hey, Pet Pain. This is Max calling from Edison, New Jersey. Drunk! I was curious to know if you guys have any games that eluded you uh, during your time in collecting. Maybe a game that took an incredibly long time to find, or one that was super glorious when you finally did find it. An example for me would be Disney's Hercules on PS1 that finally came into the game store I work at. Thanks, guys. I have two. You can go first. Uh, you go, because I'm having a tough time thinking of what mine would be. Um, Bible Adventures. When I finally found it at a at a um, Funko Land, um, I believe the one in Watchung, New Jersey, at the Blue Star Shopping Center. Everyone's probably people around me. Oh, Blue Star! You know, the movie theater there. There was like a fucking Kmart or whatever, or Target or whatever Walmart. Um, so I was reading about that stuff in like TSR's NES archive, discovering that, and then I went in there one day and I was like, "Holy shit!" There's the baby blue. I was like, I fr- I fucking freaked out that I that it was there. <laughs> Because he'd never heard of the damn game growing up, and somehow there's one at the, at the Funko Land. It was probably only like five or six bucks. Who the hell wanted that? The second one was the one I wanted to play forever because I'd rented it when I was a kid. It was Best of the Best. And then it's not like a super hard part, hard to find game, but it's uncommon. And they never had it. I mean, at the Funko Land, they never had it. I looked for like over a year. It never came in. And finally, one day I found it at one. It was probably like, it was probably like, you know, like 99, you know, probably what it was, 99, 2000. I don't know why I didn't get it on eBay. Was it, maybe it was before it was eBay. It might have been like, I was only like 18. I might have been only 18 or 17. I got it on eBay, I think, when I was 18. So it might have been before that, to be honest. But I, yeah, I wanted that game so badly. Those are my two. Um, I can't really think of... That's tough for me to think of a game because it, it's hard for me to remember back to like the pre-I-can-just-go-online-and-buy-it era, right? Sure. Um. So I really, I don't fucking know, man. I mean, yeah, I, I, something can still elude you online, I guess. Like, it took me forever to get the Panesian games, you know, like. Yeah, I guess I just uh, haven't felt like, I still collect stuff, but I have ne- I haven't been, like, hungry for a specific title sure. that eluded me for a long time. I, I can't think of the last time that I was emotional, you know, over, over finding a game or anything like that. Uh, I, I just, I don't. 
Uh, I can say that I did find a record uh, the other day, uh, a couple months ago. Uh, it's an Edgar Froese al- uh, album. I want the guys from Tangerine Dream. And uh, I had been hunting for that for like three years. And it was just, you walk into the uh, fucking record store and you start flipping and boom, there it is. And then I also happened to be looking for the Thief soundtrack. And it was like the record behind it. Oh, so wow. I do have moments like that when I'm record shopping. I also do a lot less record buying online. Um, so I do keep a lot of like the things I want to find for records. I can still go out and find them. Whereas video games, I got a much... I, I, with video games, I definitely started ordering more stuff instead of waiting to find it out in the wild. I guess I had more of that experience with manuals. Like, sure. I did buy manuals online, but one of the most joys I had going to conventions was flipping through hundreds of manuals at conventions and picking out the ones I didn't have. That was, like, to me, like, you, I got, like if you want to say a rush, that's what I enjoyed doing. Cause sure. Because you were physically going through them. And, like, yeah, I could have bought them online, but there were some conventions I'd buy 10, 20, 30, 40 back before I started compiling hundreds of them. And that was to me like it was fun. Plus, they were like a, a fifty cents or a dollar each. There was a there was a PRGE, uh, the one that always has the setup with like the the like the store setup up, up front. Right, I, I forget. I always forget the name of it. But um, there was one time they were like fifty cents each, and I I bought three hundred of the fucking things, and I didn't care if I needed them or not. I was like, oh, this is so cheap. I'm just gonna buy like the, like a majority of these ones, and then just you know sell them later. The ones I didn't have, and I, yeah, most of them I didn't have. But that's what it was before I had a list. Uh, next. Hey, Pat and Ian. Uh, listen, guys, I've been listening to, to this podcast for uh, the past hundred or so episodes. Last week's episode, where you talked about your job experience, Pat, is by far the most mm-hmm. amusing I've heard because it so reminds me of what I went through working. Uh, I was in customer service, and yeah, I can completely relate to basically anything you said so um keep up the good work and keep throwing those weird stories in there okay <laughs> okay I'm i'll like, try i'll, I'll try I've, I've gone through most of them i've gone through most of the suncoast uh stories most of the market research job not actually not the first market research job there's less there's still bad stuff but it's not as interesting and then when i worked at the library in college that was actually pretty cool working at the library. That was actually fun. Uh, supermarket was hell, but that's like, come on, that's an entry level job. They're always going to be like that. So you know, it is what it is. They you know they abuse you at those jobs. You know they have you do everything. They have you, they have you doing stuff that you wouldn't be doing. You know, twenty five years later, for five bucks an hour. Hey Pat and Ian, this is Nick from Richmond, Virginia. Hey, Ian, I got a question for you. I just started playing uh, Center and Cogra Peach Ball for the Switch. Super fun game. I love the uh, the wackiness of it all. It's super cool. Um, what are your thoughts on the Sender and Kagura kind of games, the cute kind of sexy stuff? And uh, also, what other good pinball games are there that aren't like straight pinball, but more kind of just like fun, crazy pinball? I know Demon's Till is one, but uh, what are some other suggestions you have? Thanks. Um, so I, I mean, I've said it before on the podcast. I like the Sunra and Kagura games. I don't talk about them a lot. I mean, it's just cheesecake. It's just boobs and, uh, beat em ups or boobs and third person shooters or boobs and pinball. Um, but yeah, they're, they're fun for what they are. As far as other games that are, um, you know, pinball adjacent, uh, I definitely would say, uh, Yoku's Island, Yoku's Island Adventure is one that I believe is on the Switch that I had some fun with. Um, but I think my favorite 
one that's just not a represent a replication of another machine is 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 definitely Demon's Tilt. I would you know I I, I implore everyone to please play Demon's Tilt. It's a fantastic game. I will at some point. A few more. Hey Pat, um, in like ninety two, ninety three, I got a Sega CD for Christmas, and I loved digital pictures games. But on top of that, I actually enjoyed Sewer Shark. Oh. But with that being said, <laughs> there was a certain game that I truly loved called Dracula Unleashed. I don't know if you ever heard of it, but good God, it was so cheesy, it was great. Well, too bad that's Take not care, included. Brother. That's not included on the, 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 the Mini 2. Yeah, I've never played that one. You ever come across that one? Yes, I've seen it at work before, and people have been uh, excited to find it. So I'm sure it's got some sort of cult following. I'm sure. All those goofy FMV games, I'm guessing. Hey, Pat and Ian. This is John from Los Angeles. Hey, John. I was wondering what both of your thoughts are on a video game series very near and dear to my heart, Castlevania. It gets mentioned fairly frequently in passing on the podcast, but I would love to hear about your favorite entries and any personal memories or opinions of Castlevania you may have. I hated the series as a kid because I thought the games were too hard, but I'm loving playing through the anniversary collections as an adult. Thanks for the podcast. What a professional read that was on that uh, question. 23 was- seconds in and out. That was great. Well, well prepared. Great audio quality. Are you, are you a, a podcaster yourself, John? Anyway, uh, personal opinions. Uh, I mean, I like the series for what it is. It's a, it's a, you know, it's a goofy little monster whipping series. It's nice. It has nice fundamental gameplay. <laughs> I mean, I like yeah. it. It's one of the earlier examples of of using, you know, having sub weapons. Um, so that's pretty cool. Um, that had different, uh, you know, pros and cons to each one. So that makes it interesting. And it's hard as balls. Uh, yeah, I mean, I like the first one. I like how the first one is just kind of like uh, a who's who of you know classic movie monsters, yeah. you know, that you go through, and it's uh, you know it's a little bit campier. I always liked how they um, they put like the film grain, like the 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 film reel stuff film on reel. the side to make it seem yeah. like an old spooky movie. Sure, uh, uh, during the intro, amazing um, soundtrack. What's games. up? Amazing soundtrack, obviously. Yeah, great soundtrack. Uh, my favorite entries in the series are probably Rondo and Bloodlines. Um, but I like Symphony of the Night a lot as well. I think Symphony of the Night and Rondo are fun to play back to back because it's like it's that's because those are both Dracula X games. So it's kind of like the clear jumping point from the traditional style of the game to the like new, uh, you know, quote unquote Metroidvania style of the game. So I think those are always fun to play together. Okay, do a couple more here. Hmm. <laughs> hey, Pat and Ian, this is Jeff from Loxahatchee. Hey, Since Jeff. you two are both animal lovers. I wanted to know which lesser-known animal do you want more people to know about. Mine is the Great Poteau. It's an adorable-looking bird with big eyes and mouth. Thanks. Oh. Uh, Okapi. I love the... Who doesn't love the Okapi? Okapi is a good one. Um, I really love uh, the... Um, I'm a huge fan of the Tasmanian Devils, and I feel like they've gotten a little bit more popular lately, but I would love people to learn more about Tasmanian Devils. All those, uh, all those little... All, in those regions, New Zealand, Australia, all the marsupials don't get enough love. However, I think, and unfortunately, it's not there anymore. I don't know if he died or what, um, but the Battalore Eagle is one of my favorite birds. Oh. Uh, there used to be one at the San Diego Zoo. Uh, I always referred to it as the sun's out, guns out birds because it would stand on its branch with its wings spread real, real it's wide, black. and uh, it would just stay there the whole time. Uh, just a, a beautiful, gorgeous bird, and... Um, 
you know, I'd never seen one anywhere before, and sadly, it's it's no longer in its enclosure. Let's see, where is it? You, it's it's, uh, it's from uh, Africa, and it is threatened, like most yeah. animals seem to be now. And most most animals of the zoo are th- at least threatened. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, that's where we're at uh, with with those. So so support your local uh, zoo, help help for conservation efforts, or give money to the World Wildlife Fund, which I do from time to time. Uh, we need we need that. Uh, oh. Hey Pat and Ian, it's John from Ireland. Hey uh, Pat, on high stakes poker, who who are your two best players ever, and who are your two that you want to have a beer with the most? For me, the best two are Tom Dwan and Phil Ivy. Beer with Antonio Esfandiari and Elliot Ezra. Both of them just seem like legends to me, like nice guys. And Ian, thanks for liking my Predator poster tweet. I love that thing. Cheers. You got you got to hang out with Sammy. How could you not want to have a beer and hang out? Sammy's a cool cool cat character. You would probably recognize him if you saw him. Sammy was the one that got to the finals against uh, 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 Moneymaker back in 2003. He looks like a sleazy-ish, uh, you know, sort of player, but you know, heart of gold probably. Who I want to play with? That's God. I guess someone I want to hopefully defeat. Um, Tom Dwan was uh, was known as one of the better players back then, kind of off his rocker, would go for insane bluffs that, looking back, like because people didn't know how nuts he was, should he should have been called on more of his bluffs. Phil Ivey was regarded as like um, one of the smartest, most w- well-rounded, fundamental players that no one wanted to face, and I believe he still is regarded like that. But in, in poker, it's almost like technology is that you always have to keep up with the strategy and the theory you know, it's 10 years ago. It was totally different than now. But, uh, yeah, I'd like to play prof- uh, pro- uh, professional poker at some point. That That's a dream of mine. Okay, we're going to check in with someone we haven't heard from in a, a bit. It's me, Andrew from Ukraine. <laughs> Recently, I went to eastern Ukraine to visit my friend who was serving on the front line. It was a trip through all country on a train, bang bed, 26 hours. Pretty boring. Uh, what games would you recommend for such long trips? Besides Pokemon or Virtual Boy? Technically, it's portable. Anyway, thank you. <laughs> Bye. Glad you're here. You're doing well, Andrew. Yeah. You keep up the good work you. to you and your comrades there. Um, I think that's a really good time to uh, maybe take a fighter, practice some combos and stuff. Um, you can lab it out uh, on like a Switch playing playing a fighting game uh, rpgs always seem to be like the easy answer um obviously pokemon's a big one but i like first person dungeon crawlers uh and then i really like pick up and play stuff if i'm going to be uh traveling um because i have a tough time focusing uh, i like to take a bunch of like I, I i love having like a bunch of like little arcade type games uh on 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 a, on a console so shooters um you know action platformers uh, that sort of thing single screen maze games whatever i like uh, the strategy games because they eat up so much more time than you realize sure i mean you could i used to play on the uh the ds uh the cut down version what was it civilization oh, civ revolutions that yeah. game was great it what was a good way to cut down that game they cut they cut out the roads who needs to build individual roads who the fuck cares like that was a good good and they and they trimmed a lot of other little things here and there so it was a nice compact version of the game and you can play a game in like a couple hours. You can get through yeah. a game, like if you wanted to. Um, so it was like the perfect way to do it. Uh, you know, perfect bite size for travel. 
But, you know, if you take your time, you can go longer than two hours, but you could if you wanted to. So the reason I like those sort of games later, because I don't usually get motion sickness on planes, but I have, depending on how much turbulence. So sure. a game like that, you don't have to be constantly focused on. You can take your time choosing what you're doing, you know, yep. upgrading no, your city. Call. So then you can put it down and relax versus a twitchy game where you got to be, like, super focused on. So I've never I, – I have played twitchy games before on a plane or traveling. I wish, gosh, I wish I could travel on trains more. We're, we're not, our country's not built for that, unfortunately. Uh, most other ones are in Europe. Uh, but, yeah. That's that what I, I say. I say a more slower paced game in general. You can take your time and relax and go back and forth with. But no, a mini collection of games is, is fun. Uh, I've yeah. played, I've done like the the uh, Sudoku ones where they, remember the, the, some of the planes still have it where they had the built in games on the screen, but less do than they used to. But some still do. Sure. And uh, those would be fun. There would be like little platformers on there, little puzzle games, and that stuff's pretty cool. Well, good to hear from you, Andrew. Yeah, we're not really definitely. we're not getting the news daily out of out of the Ukraine. We still should because obviously it's a super serious uh, situation. But it's like anything else. I guess people get fatigued hearing about it. But it's like it's still a war going on. Right, it's, it's not ending anytime soon. Uh, that's it for this podcast. It was fun. It was a wonderful podcast. We had a, a delightful time. My stomach was growling during the the uh, Q and A more than it ever has in the past. I'd say year or two. I don't know what's happening. I'm uh, starving. I usually don't get to this level of starvation during the podcast, but it was like going, I don't know if you heard that, was like a little bit, a little, I don't know what's acting up there. I don't know, is my metabolism getting kicked into overdrive for some reason? I haven't eaten yeah. a lot of the the um, uh, the meat sauce or sauce from, uh, you know, from the can with uh, meatballs, pre-made meatballs from Sprouts are actually pretty damn good that you, that you cook yourself. Better than anything, nice. I got a couple of pork sauces, I mix it in, but I've been having... The pasta they have. Maybe that's why I'm into overdrive. All the protein, not a lot of carbs in the past few days. Um, they have the edamame pasta. It's actually better than you think. Like, it's actually, it's served, it's like, obviously it's not real pasta, but the fact that it's like, there's like almost no carbs and there's tons of protein, it's like, oh, this is good. This yeah. is good. Um, and then you put the sauce on it, it tastes fine. You have some garlic and some, you know, some, you know, some, uh, some cheese on there, some Romano. Some par- Parmesan, you do that. So that's all right. I gotta go eat. <laughs> Enough of this. Hey, I gotta, hey, you're closer. You're, food you're, you're closer to your fridge than I than I am. So you're good to go. All right. Thanks all right. everyone. We'll see you next week. Bye everyone. Bye.